0: This is the Carriker and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Carriker and Smallman.
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is coming up on 7.01. I have put new batteries in my clock. It'll be 7.01 in (laughs) 3, 2, 1... Woof! Officially, seven oh one. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hi, Michelle. How you doing? Uh, good morning,
3: Randy. So you put new batteries in your clock, and it's running smoothly, huh?
2: And I can see it. That's the biggest thing. It fades really badly uh-huh. when the batteries are wearing down. But right now, it, it looks beautiful, and it's running perfectly, which we can say for the clock, but we can't say for Michelle's
3: car this morning. It's been a rough Wednesday morning, Randy. Thank I you, wake Uber. up on the right side of the bed. I say, "Oh, it's hump day. Here we go. It's going to be a great." <laughs> It's going to be a great Wednesday. It's going to have beautiful weather in St. Louis. Can't wait to get out there, maybe get a run in, get ready to come into work, pop in the old car. Boop. Won't come on. Hit the button again. Boop. Nope, nothing. Got nothing for you. But thankfully, I made it here.
2: Fortunately, there was an Uber near Michelle's crib. <laughs> yes. So she did make it here in plenty of time. No problem at all there. And we have quite a show for you coming up. In just 15 minutes, we're going to have Ask Uncle Randy. So we want you to text in right away. The Air Comfort Service text line is wide open, 65780. You can also leave a mic drop with our Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Heck, you can use social media. You can use the gram. Uh, the Michelle's on Instagram at M Smallman and on Twitter at M Smallman. I'm on the Twitter machine as well at Randy Carricker and my Instagram is at RJ Carricker. And then later in the show I'm going to talk to Scott Burnside from The Athletic about the hopeful return of the National Hockey League. Former Major League Baseball GM Jim Duquette of MLB Network Radio will join us at 8 o'clock. And Kerry Davis is going to talk about the Steelers losing a game at 9 o'clock. Looking forward to that.
3: Can't wait to talk to CD about the Steelers because he's the one who said to you that he doesn't advocate that they lose. Not that they were trying to lose mm-hmm. at all, but a lot of people think maybe a little bit of pressure will be taken off of them now that that loss is out of the way and Kerry was the one that told us yep. on the show he didn't think that that would be the case.
2: He says that then. I wonder if his mind has changed now that they did lose a game. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's a good thing. Michelle, we got word yesterday that the NHL and the NHLPA have cleared a financial hurdle, and they're now trying to get camps opened by January 1st and start the NHL season by January 13th. They're looking at that January 1st day to open camps, which would give them a dozen days to get ready. Maybe they would have a preseason game. The Board of Governors is going to meet today at 3, and it seems as if it's just a rubber stamp for the NHL Board of Governors. The players appear to be on board. They want to play. They've got all of their financial situations taken care of in Mm -hmm. regards to deferred money, in regards to the escrow money that they have. And they're hoping to play a 56-game regular season, which would end... At the end of April, and then you would have May and June to play the Stanley Cup playoffs.
3: And then you wouldn't have conflicts with the Olympics.
2: That's a big key because NBC obviously airs the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've talked about that a lot and really haven't explained it, but if you're the NHL and you're on NBC and you're the Olympics and you're on NBC, you can't do both at the same time. In large part... Well, certainly because you don't have the time to do it with the Olympics, but you also have all your broadcasters in Japan and you don't have anybody to call the games. So they don't want any crossover between the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Olympics. So that's why they want to get it done by the end of June. And hopefully they'll be able to get that 56 game season in. Now, one of the cool things about this, Michelle, is that apparently we'll have three eight team divisions Mm -hmm. and a seven team division and For example, Detroit will be in the Blues division. They'll come in for a two-game series. Or the Blues will go to Tampa for a two-game series. Each team will go into a city for two two two-game series during the season. So we could, in theory, have a—and maybe we could just call it a week. We could have punch a Red Wing fan in the face week. Week, Yeah, because you've got three days. If they play two games in three days, maybe it's just a couple of days. But you could have a punch Red Wing fan in the face series.
3: Are you excited to bring that back?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I, I hate the Red Wings, and I love the fact that they're terrible.
3: So do you really need to punch them in the face, Randy, if you're punching them in the face well, figuratively with the scoreboard? Hopefully. No, this
2: is the fans. And the problem is, is that we probably aren't going to have a lot of Red Wings fans making their way to St. Louis to take over our arena. In, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, they don't travel very well anymore because they had the worst record in the league last yeah, year. Yeah, that's true, true, And the other part of it is is that they just don't follow uh, a bad team. team. People just don't follow a bad team like they follow a Stanley Cup champion.
3: But they'll say, Randy, pandemic. We're not coming oh, because of the pandemic.
2: That'll be their excuse. That's fine. Uh, if I go the rest of my life without seeing one of those dreaded, horrible Red Wings sweaters, I'm fine.
3: Those what is it worst. about their fans that makes you want to punch them in the face?
2: Because they took over. And and I I never saw them here in the 80s. Now, maybe this was a product of Southwest and of um, the ticket brokers available online. Maybe it's a product of, and it probably is a product of the Internet, the fact that you can get here so easily from Detroit, and the fact that you can go to StubHub and and buy up our tickets. But when we have an 18-seat arena, and our team was pretty darn good. The only difference between us and them we had the same record as them every year. We had as many points, but they won the Stanley Cup because they had goalies. And so they would win the Stanley Cup, and then they would come in, and for whatever reason, our fans would not buy 10,000 of our tickets. And they'd be Red Wing fans, and they were insufferable.
3: Oof. Yeah, that's brutal. The worst. The worst. Uh. But, but you won't have to worry about that, at least for a year or two.
2: Exactly. Meanwhile, last night, Michelle, we had Tuesday night football. We did. On Christmas, we're going to have a Friday game. This will be the first year in the history of the National Football League where we have had a game on every day of the week. We've had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. There is going to be an NFL game on every single day of the week this season that's never happened before.
3: I wonder if it'll happen in the future. Because it's kind of fun to have a, a grab bag of games randomly s- sprinkled throughout the week.
2: So I have, because I'm petty, I have Roger Goodell in the NFL blocked on Twitter. Both but, of them. Oh yeah. Good for you. But if you somebody block the Rams, please. Of course I do. <laughs> uh, and uh, and the professional liar Kevin Demoff have him blocked
3: too. Yeah, I unfollowed him.
2: But if somebody would like to tweet those people and say, "Hey, Michelle Smallman in St. Louis," and she, you, you, do you have the league or anybody blocked any except for demo No, the, no, no, not, I don't have any
3: of them. Blocked. So
2: just uh, at M Smallman in St. Louis has a great idea: Hump Day Happy Hour every year. Have it down the stretch. Have it like in the the latter part of November, early part of December. Have a Hump Day Happy Hour game that starts at three o'clock, maybe three or four Wednesdays a year.
3: It's perfect. It's something to get you through the week. It's something they can easily do branding around. I would imagine for some teams, they might like having an earlier game, and then they have a, a, the rest of the week and the weekend to relax, get your body right, get your mind right. It's almost, I would, I would think it might be better than a Thursday game.
2: How about if you set it up so that, and, and you're only going to do this like three times. So if you play the Thursday night game, then you play Hump Day Happy Hour, and then you're off until the following Sunday. Uh, the, you, you get the Sunday off yeah, and you, yeah, yeah. You, so I, I Thursday Wednesday and then off until Sunday. That's great. Okay.
3: But the only thing is that they better give some good matchups if they want to sell that because the Thursday night slate sometimes is terrible.
2: Right. Monday yeah. too. But it, it's better now that they have Joe and Troy doing it. And mm-hmm. Fox is spending a lot of money on it. That that helps. And that's why you do it later in the season too because traditionally that's what they do. Anyway, last night Greg Zerline hit a 31-yard field goal and the Cowboys took a 3 nothing lead over the Ravens. But back came Lamar Jackson who is over his COVID and didn't lose his speed. Man in motion on 14 down and two Jackson
0: working out of the shotgun two receivers to either side and on fourth down he'll keep it himself up the middle he goes first down and more 30-yard line 20-yard line and into the end zone untouched Lamar Jackson a 37-yard touchdown run on fourth down and two and the Ravens answer back taking a 6-3 lead in the closing seconds of the first quarter
2: but then Dallas got the ball back moments later. They only had to go 28 yards and three plays after a good kick return. And they take the lead on a touchdown pass from uh, Andy Dalton to Michael Gallup. It's 10-7, but midway through the second quarter, the Ravens went ahead for good. So Lamar
4: Jackson back to work with the ball at the 38. Makes a handoff wide open as Boykin. And he is in for the touchdown.
2: And the Ravens rolled from there 34-17. The Cowboys uh, did get it to within 27-17 in the fourth. The Ravens score late, and they're now, Michelle, 7-5. And they're right back in that playoff thick of things. It
3: was great to see Lamar back out there looking yeah. like Lamar, ran, running for 94 yards, a touchdown. The entire team ran in 294 yards rushing. They ran all over the Cowboys That's last night.
2: Ravens football. And oh, by the way, Des Bryant was told during pregame warm-ups that he had tested positive for COVID-19. He didn't play, basically checked out for the season on Twitter yeah. during the course of the game. But... And I know why the league did it, because they can't afford to move Baltimore's games around anymore after everything they've been through. But the league didn't move the game, obviously, and didn't postpone the game, even though they had Des Bryant going around hugging people and being out on the field with teammates and members of the Cowboys before the game.
3: I'm trying to find a tweet. So he tweeted this last night, Randy. He says, if you guys are with me tonight, post your glass of wine. He's drinking <laughs> and had a bunch of people posting wine with him on Twitter. He, he made it a night. There
2: you go, Dez. M-I-Z, Michelle. Z- you can do it. They're 25 in the country.
3: I thought we were going to... Okay, okay, Z-O-U.
2: Okay, it's Go football. Ahead.
3: It's football. And we like Coach Drink here. Yeah, we do. here at Grant Smallman. And so... If it just feels weird, Randy, it feels weird saying it for me.
2: But you can do it.
3: Like, I'm pumped for Mizzou yeah. football. I think it's great. I
2: know, but you just don't like their fans.
3: But yeah, and it just feels cool. weird for me as an okay. Illini girl to say oh, I know, just it's got to be tough. Sounds gross coming out of my mouth.
2: Well, they are 25th in the nation right now as last night the college football rankings came out and Eli Drinkwitz says, hey, what we do, what what you see is just going to tell you who we are. You know, I think the play on our fi- on the field is speaking for
1: itself. We're never out of the fight. We have great fight. We're not always perfect, um, but we play with a lot of energy and a lot of effort and, and uh, the results, I think, are far better than what most would have predicted, uh, including most of the people on this call. You know, and and recruiting, I think, is is uh, is speaking for itself. I think uh, we're 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 slowly but surely locking down the state, uh, making sure that the best players in this state play for their state school, proving that it, they can win here, uh, proving that they can be noticed and recognized here, and proving that they can be uh, developed here. Um, and so. You know, that that to me is the foundation of what I said in our first
2: press conference of what we had to do. So congratulations to Drink and Mizzou. They play Georgia on Saturday.
3: And you know what? Getting that ranking. That's just one more thing that Eli Drinkwitz can use when he gets in the living room yep. while, or Zoom or whatever it is now with COVID-19 protocols, though, to continue to lock down the borders because that is huge, to keep the best talent that you have in state.
2: Okay, Michelle, let's do it now. I-L-L.
3: I-N-I, Randy.
2: The Illini rolled Duke 83-68 to 68 last night.
3: First time they beat Duke since 95. Whew. Pretty good. When they play like that, that's... The thing about this Illinois basketball team is... Yes, the game versus Baylor was disappointing, and you certainly would have liked to see them put together a a better complete effort in that game. But that game last night, that shows you what this Illinois team is capable of. That's a Final Four team. That's a Final Four team, and if they don't get to that point, who knows, though, in in this year with the pandemic and everything, let's just knock on wood say that everyone is healthy, everything goes according to plan. That's a team that if they don't get into the Final Four this season will be considered a disappointment. 83-68
2: 83-68 over Duke for the Illini. The Billikens rolled at Chaffetz Arena. They took care of Central Arkansas, 88-65. And we've been talking about it. The Billikens are, are really, really good, too. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in college basketball this year. And uh, you've got Missouri playing tonight. So uh, let's go Tigers and another M-I-Z-Z-O-U. They play Liberty at Mizzou Arena tonight, and that game is at 7.15 on SEC Network. Coming up, get your text into the Your Comfort Service text line, 65780, a little game of Ask Uncle Randy. By the way, you can uh, email as well, askunclerandy at 101espn.com. It's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carragher and Smallman podcast on
0: 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
2: Whatever platform you would like to use to ask me a question, feel free to do so. You can use the Twitter machine, at msmallman, at Randy Carriker. You can use the Instagram, because we're both on the IG, <laughs> at msmallman, at RJ Carriker. Of course, you can use our Rhino Shield mic drop feature with the free 101 ESPN app. And we also have the text machine, 65780, for the Air Comfort Service text line. All right, Michelle, what do you got for us?
3: Okay, Randy. This one coming in from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, Mm -hmm. my wedding is on January 9th. Due to COVID, our reception had to be pushed until November 20th because that's the next Saturday that our venue had available. Wow, that says a lot. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're going through with our wedding ceremony at the church on January 9th, and my future mother-in-law is very upset with us because we refused to push the ceremony back. She's upset because her close friends and some family won't come to the church, which we understand. It's crazy times. But are we being selfish for refusing to move? Of the ceremony.
2: No, you are not being selfish at all. Now, you could cause some consternation, I would think, with her if she and your bride's side of the family are paying for said reception. But no, if your plan was and is to get married in January, this is your life. And I, I understand that The mother-in-law might be upset, but in a gentle way, she has to understand that this is her daughter's life and her daughter's marriage and not hers. And if you have scheduled your wedding for January 9th and you want to get married on January 9th, I'll do respect to the mother in law but tell with her.
3: <laughs> yeah, talk about being selfish. It's yeah. not as if you chose to have your reception in November and your ceremony in January. We're in a pandemic. Everyone's right. doing their best. Everyone's trying to make it happen. You're just trying to to make it happen in some way, shape, or form. And she should understand that and be a little bit more empathetic to the to the fact that you're having to deal with that.
2: And this is no different. Than a destination wedding where the couple comes home and several months later, perhaps, has the reception at home. This is just a pandemic wedding. Rather than a destination wedding, say, it's a pandemic wedding. What are we going to do? And, yes, get married. Because you you need to start your life. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, don't let this pandemic control everything.
2: And don't let your mother-in-law control everything.
3: That's a great point. Right. If you set the precedent now that yeah. you are going to be in control of your yeah. own marriage, my
2: my life, my marriage, her wife life, uh, your wife's fiance's life, uh, her marriage. And I said to hell with the mother in law. You can't tell her that you can't t- tell her to hell with you. But what you have to say is, hey, look, because you have to be political here because it is your fiance's mom. Right. Right. But you have to say, look at it like this. We love each other. We want to get married right now. This was the plan. We would have had the reception, but we can't because there's a pandemic. But here's the thing. Treat it like it's a destination wedding. Think of us as going off to Aruba to get married, and we'll have the reception later, and we'll have a great time.
3: And the party's what anybody cares about anyway. And you're you're doing that in November, which is great. Exactly.
2: And if you want, here's a little idea for you. At the reception, just do a little two-minute renewal of the vows.
3: Oh, cute idea, Randy. Make everybody happy. And you know what? If she gives him any attitude, he can say, well, you know what? Uncle Randy told me to tell you to go to hell.
2: There you go. Well, that's the, that's the last play you have, but you have that one in your pocket. Say, I, I, I asked my Uncle Randy, and here's what he had to say, lady.
3: <laughs> Mother-in-law. Okay, this one. Dear Uncle Randy, what's going on with the definitions of the NFL owners? Anything new on the lawsuit front?
2: The... Depositions continue. There's nothing new. From what I'm given, though, is that every time I ask, every time I have this conversation, I ask about the confidence level of winning the lawsuit. And every time I do ask the question, I get a form of, we are more confident than we've ever been about winning this lawsuit. And I think there's some misunderstanding about what the lawsuit is. First of all, it has nothing to do with the lease. I think there's a perception out there that it has anything to do with the dome or the lease. What this lawsuit is about is fraud and the NFL telling St. Louis, you have a chance to keep your team and lying to St. Louis and encouraging them to continue to try to build a stadium when they were not going to be able to keep their team. And If you've paid really close attention and you watched Kevin Demoff on video at his old high high school, or you listened to him and all those tapes were recorded Mm -hmm. uh, here on 101 ESPN where he talked about, yeah, we plan on being in St. Louis or going to season ticket holder meetings and saying there's a one in a million chance that we're moving to Los Angeles. What the group has to prove from St. Louis is that Kevin Demoff and the Rams lied And Kevin Demoff and the Rams on tape lied. So that's why they feel confident about going into a courtroom in the city of St. Louis with a jury of St. Louis residents and proving the case that the NFL lied. So, yeah, things are, are moving along well. The pandemic has not caused any slowdown because we do have Zoom. And we're just rocking and rolling towards next October.
3: Get your popcorn ready. Oh, you betcha. Dear Uncle Randy, on days like today, is it okay to skip work and play 18 holes in the name of exercise, asking for a friend?
2: Okay, tell your friend yes, especially if you are working from home. Make sure they you have your phone with you just in case your boss is looking. But it's supposed to be 61 degrees this afternoon, 55 at noon, and yes... From multiple fronts, it is acceptable today. Number one, it's going to be warm. How many great chances are you going to get to exercise in the remainder of 2020? Number two, if you're able to leave home and get to a golf course to start 18 holes, You've already got your job done for the day. That's the thing. You have to feel confident, and I know you do, about having taken care of your job for the day. So, yeah, you get out there. You play 18. Nobody's ever going to know better. And enjoy yourself. And then if you do get the call on the cell phone and you see that it's the office, make sure that when you answer, you just breathe hard and say, Hey, I was out front grabbing the mail, had to run back in. Sorry, it took me a, a while to pick up the phone.
3: Or you answer it, hello, hello, I'm not feeling well.
2: That's another place. But then when somebody (laughs) goes, okay, you're away, then you got a problem.
3: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we've got a (laughs) 60-degree day on December 9th. Take Take advantage
2: advantage of this. And one of the great things that has happened with people having to work or being able to work from home, I'll say it it that way, is that it really has enhanced the golf industry. And I think it helps production in the long run because you get all your work done between 7 a.m. and 3 p.m. Get out on the course, and today it's 7 a.m., let's say at 11.30 a.m. Get your work done, highly productive, and then tomorrow you will be highly productive because you got those 18 holes in today.
3: This one from the 573, this one's tricky, Randy. Dear Uncle Randy, how would you break it to a friend that his girlfriend's been cheating on him while he's deployed and has even said that she doesn't want him to come back? He loves her and has no idea that this is going on, but I've tried to warn him about how shady he is. Excuse me, how shady she is. What do I do?
2: You've done everything you can do by just trying to warn him. Don't get involved with that one, though, because so often when you tell somebody that their significant other is cheating on them, they blame you.
3: Oh, they're definitely going to blame you.
2: So don't get involved with that. You let that play out on its own. Let him find out. He will, especially if she's saying she doesn't want him to come back. She's going to tell him. And then after she breaks his heart, then you can say, yeah, I kind of had that feeling. But don't, don't, don't tell him. Because every time that happens, I mean 100% of the time, the person that gets told, they don't blame their significant other. They blame the person that told them.
3: And if you really feel it in your heart that you need to tell him, make sure you have evidence. Hard Non-disputable evidence. Don't just say, hey, I know this is happening because he's never going to take your side over hers, ever.
2: Michelle, I don't have the guts to tell a friend that. Really? No. I,
3: but no. wouldn't you want a friend to tell you? No. If your wife was catting around town, Randy, you wouldn't want somebody, if, if they saw it happening, to say, Randy, heads up, this is going on, you're getting embarrassed and you have no idea what's happening.
2: No, I don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to be oblivious, thank you.
3: <laughs> tell me all day, please, and then let me handle it. But, yeah, I, I would appreciate a friend telling me. Yeah,
2: I'll find out at some point. But, no, I, I don't want to be pissed off at the friend, and I know I would be. That's just who I am. It's just my personality.
3: So you would take it out on Ricky or whoever told you?
2: I would, yeah. I'm a jerk. <laughs> Not that my significant other that's out catting around town isn't a jerk, too. But I'll find out in other other means. But
3: imagine that you're in this guy from the 573 Shoes. Here's his friend is deployed, Randy. He's serving and protecting our country. And he's thinking about the woman he loves as part of getting him through this very, I'm sure, difficult time. And she's doing not only these terrible things to him, but is saying things like she doesn't want him to come back and is being very flippant about his situation. I would want him to break up with her, too. I would want to let him know, too. Maybe make an uh, no. anonymous email address and email it to him with the evidence. Like, well, hey, you're booze cheating on you at gmail.com.
2: But do you, when he's not even in the country, what's he going to do? When, he, when he's not even in, the, even in the country, he's deployed. You're going to tell him when he's deployed that his wife? No, 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 no. You don't do it.
3: So, you wait till he gets back. And I don't then you tell send, him. Hey, Boucher, I, hey, I, you. I let, oh,
2: you, can, you can go, yes, with the anonymous email address. And it could be any of his friends then. You can make that play, but don't put yourself figuratively in the line of fire. Don't do it.
3: That's good advice. You're probably right. But I just think about this poor guy that needs to know the truth.
2: That's Ask Uncle Randy. Yeah, we all want the truth, and the truth will come out eventually. It will.
3: The truth will set you free. Right. Okay, last one, Randy. Dear Uncle Randy, is it okay for me to buy gift boxes for all the presents I'm giving? Wrapping is just not my strength?
2: 100%. Uh, Gift bags, too. If you really want to play the game the right way and be smart and quick, dollar store gift bags, and they've got a million of them at the dollar store right now. Just go into Dollar Tree, get gift bags and a $1 package of tissue paper, and you can make it look great. Here's the bottom line. Michelle, you're you're a very observant, thoughtful, caring person.
3: Thank you, Randy.
2: Do you remember any time in your life the wrapping of a gift that you got? Not once. There you go. They don't remember. So if you give them a gift bag, it's not going to make any difference. So go spend a buck at the dollar store gift boxes are fine too but yes you do especially if you're not a great rapper make it as quick and easy as possible on yourself
3: before we wrap randy we have cousin anthony checking in okay this is ask uncle randy but cousin anthony checks in anthony Stalter, that is at the fast yeah. lane mm-hmm. he says to the first question that we talked about with the wedding being pushed back uh. and the mother-in-law giving some sass to the groom yeah and Anth- cousin anthony says Tell that mother-in-law that the wedding is happening on this day at this venue, or we burn everything to the ground. It's her choice. <laughs> it's her choice. That's
2: another play, too. <laughs> that's good. We burn everything to the ground. All right. Thank you, Cousin Anthony. It's great to hear from you. <laughs> and thanks for uh, being with us this morning on character and Smallman. Next that's, up...
3: That's the Italian in him right there.
2: <laughs> Get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're
0: right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's take it or leave it with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
2: Ooh, Coach Weber can't lose to a D2. Mm-mm. Yikes. Mm -mm. Not great, not Not great, great. not great. All right, we welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service, text line 657804, take it or leave it. Michelle, Charlie Woods, Tiger's son, has drawn attention for his great play over the course of the summer. Strong finishes in junior tournaments all over Florida. He shot under par to win multiple nine-hole events during the course of the summer. And now he and his dad, Charlie Woods and his dad, are going to play in the PNC Championship, a two-day exhibit, father-son exhibition that takes place December 19th and 20th at the Ritz Carlton in Orlando. Last week, Justin Thomas, a good friend of Tiger who knows Charlie said, yeah, Tiger uh, has a son that's a little bit chirpy and Tiger was asked about that.
4: We're practicing, you know, quite a bit. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a little on the the chirpy side, just like I am. Um, yeah but you know that's just part of it you know that's part of um having the inner confidence and putting yourself out there and hey when uh you if you believe that you're you're good at something obviously you're gonna uh, talk about it and
2: there's nothing there's nothing wrong with um talking with friends and
5: people you know he's very comfortable around jt and uh he feels a, a little bit of a bond there and uh just like i do with him and Uh, Trust me, I'm
2: a
4: little chirpy with with JT, and I think that he's noticed that, and uh, he's doing the same thing.
2: Take it or leave it, with that attitude, all the other 11-year-old golfers better look out.
3: Oh, take it. Absolutely take it. But take it or leave it, all the other 11-year-old golfers hate Charlie. Oh, yeah. They hate Charlie.
2: Just like they, they hated Tiger because he was so good, and he chirped.
3: If you're a tiger and you're you're a young, up-and-coming golfer and you're chirpy, it's one thing. Even if you're great, if you're Charlie, as the son of the great one, should you be that chirpy?
2: You got it from your dad.
3: That's true. Yeah. But I just feel like you're opening the door for people to make the dad comparisons or say, oh, okay, your dad's Tiger Woods. Great.
2: That's what they want
3: throw logs on that mental fire for uh, him.
2: Wouldn't you think that the best 11-year-old junior golfers are in Florida and he's winning all the tournaments he plays? Probably. Yeah, so I think he's got a shot.
3: I think so. (laughs) I I would love it. Let's have, you know, LeBron playing with his son, Tiger playing with his son. Let's do it. I love that. Let's keep it going in all sports. Okay, Randy, so we know that with Ohio State-Michigan not happening, that a lot of conversations are happening within the Big Ten today about whether or not they're going to adjust the rules about the Big Ten Championship. As we know, they had a six-game rule. You have to play at least six games to play in the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State is not going to meet that criteria. So they're talking about adjusting it. Our friend Dennis Dodd, who was on the show yesterday, has a great piece up at CBSSports.com where the headline is this. The Big Ten must choose integrity or profit in regards to switching the rules in favor of Ohio State. Take it or leave it. Anything involved in college athletics is always going to choose profit over integrity.
2: I'll take that. Yeah. And that includes the Big Ten changing their rules, whether it's allowing Ohio State to play in their championship game without the required amount of games or allowing them to play Texas Mm A&M. I don't think Ohio State wants anything to do with playing Texas A&M.
3: No, I wouldn't if I was them. No.
2: So what you do... Is you have Ohio State either play Indiana, who has an open game this weekend, open date this weekend, or you just allow them to play in the championship game? Change the rules because let's be honest about it. We all know why the Big Ten came back to play anyway, so that Ohio State could play in the national championship in the Final Four, right?
3: And they could get the money.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's so what they want, that, right? And that's a lot of money for the the Big Ten. So I would think everybody in the Big Ten should be on board with changing those rules.
3: Absolutely, But I just think it's while it is the right thing to say, hey, from an integrity standpoint, we should look at these other teams who have met the requirements and and what's what's fair is fair. This is we're talking about college athletics and we're talking about money. Money and profit is always going to reign supreme. Always. I
2: always like it. And it's happened more than once when a collegiate student athlete says, hey, that's what we get paid for. (laughs) (laughs) Tanner, what do you got for us?
5: All right, so watching the Big Ten ACC Challenge last night with Illinois and Duke, take it or leave it, we need something like that in college football. And just to give you an example, some of the matches we would see if it was Big Ten ACC mm-hmm. in college football, we would have seen Maryland with Tua's brother take on Clemson. We would have seen Ohio State, Notre Dame, North Carolina at Iowa, and then, of course, the Illinois-Duke game. Yeah, I'll take it.
3: I'll take it, too.
2: thing is, a lot of schools, for example, Missouri, they don't want to play a power school. They, they'll play a power five, but they don't want to play the great programs. They don't want to play the Ohio States or the Alabamas. Well, uh, not, not Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson in normal years, USC, because that's a the game they're going to lose. So what you want is that power five victory that gives you a better chance at a good bowl game.
3: But from a fan standpoint and a viewership oh, standpoint, great. give it to me. I love it.
2: Yeah. When Missouri in the seventies was known as the giant killers, they played forty non conference games in the seventies. Twenty-eight of them were against teams that were ranked in the top ten, and I think something like eighteen were against teams that were ranked in the top five. Wow. And they they played Alabama, they played Penn State, they played USC, they played Notre Dame, and they played their normal big Big eight schedule at the time. That was awesome. That was great football watching.
5: Another thing I noticed last night watching the game, Jay Billis ripping on the ref. That's not a block. That's not a charge. Mm-hmm. They call too many charges. Take it or leave it. That's really awkward for the refs because they probably hear him way more this year with nobody there. Yeah,
2: I'll take that. Yeah.
5: Absolutely
3: take it. Yeah, you could probably hear a pin drop in there.
2: Yeah, but even with crowds like Rammer, would always get on the officials and some of them would respond. It was great. Really? Oh, yeah. We have a cut of Rammer. It's uh, of saying, "Hey, this is one one ESPN's broadcast." Remember oh, that? I
5: remember that. Yeah, good call. From the six-three-six, take it or leave it. Chicago pizza is far better than New York pizza. Leave it. Oh, New York pizza is the best pizza.
2: New York pizza is fantastic. Hands I love down. them both, but yeah, New York pizza. And uh, again, you just give me a choice. I can only have one for the rest of my life. Rays Giordano's. I'm taking Rays.
3: I don't like deep dish pizza. I've said it before on these airways. If you have to use a fork to eat it, it is not pizza.
2: I I can eat deep dish pizza with my hand.
3: Well, that seems aggressive. But it's cool. (laughs) It seems like (laughs) you have to scoop it with your hand then. You
2: You can't can't pick it up and fold it. it. You have to let it cool a little bit. Now, yeah, you can't fold it. But you have to pick up a deep dish slice. Let it sit for five minutes. And it's firm enough so that you can pick it up and eat it. No problem at all.
5: From the 636, take it or leave it, we are all secretly pulling for a Bucks Patriots Super Bowl. We'll leave that. I'm going to take that.
3: I would love to see that happen.
2: Yeah. Uh, there will be no circumstance under which I publicly or privately root for the Patriots. It will not happen.
3: But wouldn't you root for them to go to the Super Bowl and have Tom Brady beat them?
2: I would be intrigued by that.
3: Because on your hatred power rankings, if I remember correctly, Belichick is over Brady.
2: Yeah, but would I rather see, now if they're in the Super Bowl, yes, I, I would root for the Buccaneers. But would I rather see the Steelers or the Chiefs against the Bucks and do that team drill Brady <laughs> and the Buccaneers? Yes, I would.
3: Yeah, from a matchup standpoint, it probably wouldn't be that great.
2: Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Next up, hockey coming back. We're going to talk to Scott Burnside of The Athletic about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Bill Swaiman, Randy Carriker, and this is 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Scott Burnside from the Athletic, kind enough to join us. Scott, as always, good to talk to you. How are you doing this morning?
6: I get uh, no complaints today. Uh, waiting to see what the uh, next few days will bring in terms of the NHL. Now that uh, at least there is a framework in place for a return to hockey for the 2021. I guess technically it'll be the 21 season. Uh, but uh, still, lots of uh, lots of balls in the air, a lot of a, a lot of moving parts to uh, seeing the return of NHL hockey early in uh, January of twenty one.
2: And as you at the Athletic are reporting, the financial hurdles have been cleared. So, what would you say
6: the biggest hurdle remaining is? Well. I mean, it, it. I mean, it's it, it's a big one, and it it has a lot of again a lot of moving parts. If I can use that analogy, and of course, it's COVID nineteen, and uh, you know what we know. Uh, given uh, the state of the pandemic on both sides of the North American border, we know that there'll be a Canadian division because the Canadian border uh, is basically closed to all but essential travel. So no NHL teams will be crisscrossing as they normally would, so the seven Canadian teams will play north of the border. Um, We know then that the remaining 24 teams will be grouped more or less geographically into three groups of eight in the United States. So um, the problem is that as the uh, COVID-19 spikes, Continue to grow. We're still seeing the results of Thanksgiving. We know that the uh, anticipation of even further uh, spikes after the Christmas holiday. Uh, mean that there is a lot of uncertainty uh, as to what will happen in each of the 24 U.S. markets. For instance, Santa Clara County and uh, where the San Jose Sharks uh, call home. Um, right now, if training camp began, they wouldn't be able to have training camp or games in, in San Jose. We know the uh, San Francisco 49ers have moved their games to Arizona because of uh, local health uh, regulations restrictions there. Uh, and I'm talking to league officials. The expectation is that there will be these kinds of issues to confront the NHL and the NHLPA as they move forward. So it, it is going to be a lot of moving targets, the ability of the league to pivot very quickly based on these kinds of, uh, uh, of dynamics and they may change from week to week. What, you know, we know now that it's fine for these cities to begin training camp, uh, late December, early January, but by the time that we get to that point, things may be different. So it's about having contingency plans on contingency plans. So it's uh, um, it, it really is a tall order for the league and the Players Association to, to really get this thing underway.
3: Scott, the NBA has said that they're going to give each team a $30 million essentially stimulus package to help with their finances. And it's been reported that the NHL is working on a similar plan. What do you think that stimulus plan for the NHL would look like?
6: Well, I, you know, my guess is, and I don't, I think it's still fairly fluid. But I think, and this is maybe why you saw, you know, the the, the economic um, debate, if you will. I don't know whether it ever was a stalemate, but certainly, you know, this notion that the owners went back to the players and were looking for further uh, concessions from them in terms of salary deferment and perhaps a, a, a building up of the escrow at the end of the current CBA of course, was signed just five months ago. And I think the reason that maybe you've seen the league um, step back from that, agree to abide by the, uh, the, the CBA signed in the summer that led to the return of uh, playoffs in the two bubble cities, is that there may be this other form of immediate financial relief coming. Um, and again, I don't know what the numbers would be. I've uh, I've heard, you know, some numbers in that uh, neighborhood that the NHL is negotiating with financial institutions, but um, nothing firm there. But certainly, what we are talking about here are owners that. You know, and I know a lot of people, it's hard to work up sympathy for billionaire owners, but a lot of owners, uh, certainly in the NHL, we know this across the pro-sporting world, a lot of owners, have uh, their businesses are tied up in things like service industry, bars, restaurants, casinos. Um, And, of course, in the almost year that we have been um, dealing with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, those are the areas, of course, that have been hit very, very so I understand the, the, the need for some owners to have some immediate financial relief. And I think that's maybe why you've seen uh, the league and the players uh, be able to put aside the economic issues and move forward with the structure of what a 2021 season would look like. Scott,
2: obviously there are owners that would rather just not play this year without fans. And we, we talk about billionaire owners, but they're still not making the money they expected. How much of a concern is it that there will be enough owners to block this thing?
6: Yeah, I think that's a zero concern. I, the ownership has been, for the most part, a very sort of uniform voice. Uh, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, of course, uh, he does things uh, in a way that, uh, that that there is, he rarely does anything happen without full consensus within that ownership group. And you're right, this is different. Everything is different about this. Uh, and there are certainly owners who might, in their heart of hearts, be just as content to close their doors and turn out the lights until next fall when Seattle comes in. The expansion fees are dispersed. Um, but everyone I've talked to, league executives, business people, uh, observers, financiers, there is no upside for the NHL not to play this season. You've got a national television deal that comes up at the end of this season, you've got the regional television deals, you have the expansion team coming in, you have next season where the league and the players have agreed, at least in principle, to return to the Olympics in Beijing in 2022. Um, by not playing this season, uh, even though for a small group of owners that might be more palatable financially, as the long-term harm done to the league would be incalculable. And I see it as a non-starter. And uh, I, I talked to someone who said, if you're an owner who believes that that is the best path... Then maybe you should find someone to take the team off your hands. There would be lots of people lining up. The value of teams, in spite of the pandemic, has not crashed. Uh, and the, the suggestion was made quite strongly that if you don't, if you don't want to play this season, maybe you should sell your team and move on and do something else. And I think that's probably a, a, a fair uh, um, idea of what the consensus would be around the sporting world and the NHL, NHL world specifically.
2: Scott, great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Hopefully we'll have hockey and we can talk about actual games here in the very near future, but we appreciate your time today. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Scott Burnside, you can read his great work at The Athletic, and you should subscribe because their hockey coverage is as good as it gets, including our own Jeremy Rutherford. Michelle, we're continuing our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser, and if folks want to join in the holiday spirit, they can contribute to Carrick & Smallman's 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser to benefit the Little Bit Foundation and they can learn more at 101espn.com.
3: And when you head to 101espn.com, if you donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th, you're going to receive a complimentary 101 ESPN t-shirt as the gift for your donation. But more importantly, your $25 donation is going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack of school supplies to a local student in need.
2: And we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor for 12 Days of t-shirts. It's Massage Lux and a special thank you to Allstate agent Tracy Bibb for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser and... Michelle, we've got people helping us out, and we love that. And if, if anybody can make that contribution, we'd love to have them do so today.
3: Yes, and thank you to Tracy Bibb for the donation. Big time. Thank yeah. You. Thank you,
2: Tracy. And find all the details and make your donation to our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser now at 101ESPN.com. Former MLB general manager Jim Duquette joins us to talk some baseball next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast
0: on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. I always enjoy listening to former Mets and Orioles GM Jim Duquette on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM, and it's a pleasure to have Jim join us now on the Broad and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Mr. Duquette, great to have you with us this morning. How are you doing?
4: Hey, what's going on, Randy? Michelle, thanks for having me on this morning. Well,
2: let's start with this because you have been in that position, but you've had a budget to work with. What must it be like for these GMs to <laughs> go into a winter meetings and not really know how much money their team is going to spend in 2021?
4: It, it, I'll tell you what; it's the wor- it's really the worst position to be in if you're if you're uh, you know a GM and you're wondering, um, all right, what how much money do I have to spend, right? <clears throat> and especially. You, you normally know that in September or October for the for the following year right so they should have known in September of of this year 2020 uh, to be able to plan for your for the next year and you know you you make choices uh, for your roster based off of that like it's it's you it's really your your beacon that you follow in the wintertime so to not have it it really it becomes more, much much more difficult the choices that you end up making later in the winter are ones that are normally your third or fourth options on your list and that that's about the, the part that uh, gets concerning now if you look around the game there are a lot of teams that are in a similar situation and we haven't seen the free agent market move uh much at all either so you know it seems like there are a lot of teams that are in the same boat
3: Jim, one of the factors that teams are waiting to find out about is the DH. Why do you think that that wasn't settled before the winter meetings? And how difficult is that for GMs of the National League to have to put together a team and not know if they need to account for the DH?
4: Michelle, it's one of the most ridiculous things about baseball. (laughs) That if I wish, I wish I had an answer for you on a good one. There's, I I have plenty of answers. It's, it's really, it's, it's the absurdity of ownership and primarily commissioner's office to use the DH as a negotiating tool to try to uh, get what they want, which is post uh, expanded postseason. Now, I mean, for me, the rules of the game, you know, have never really been part of the negotiation uh but this one is because it, there is a financial component to it. So, you know, the the players are like, hey, yeah, we want the DH, but we're not. You know, we know that your front office, every general manager, pretty much every general manager in the National League is 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 uh, resigned to the fact that they're going to have a DH at some point. If it's not this year, the following year. We saw how good it was this year for the game and for offense. So everybody in the game wants it, but MLB is using it as a chip to to negotiate, and it's frustrating. Watching it, um, and it really shouldn't it really shouldn't uh, be have gone on this long. it should have been addressed, you know. It, even back in March, they should have uh, ne- negotiated it for the next two years because the collective bargaining, of course, is uh, agreement. It's up at the end of this year, so you know they can talk about it again next year. But having to re- negotiate separate rules, I mean, they're, they're still to ha- having to negotiate these other rules. The the uh, extra inning rule uh, is another one. Uh, that I thought worked really well this year. They're going to renegotiate that. Like, There's just there's some things that just kind of have you scratching your head.
2: Jim Duquette, former Major League GM, and now on SiriusXM, joining us on 101 ESPN. Jim, as the, the Cardinals and the Giants dominated the first half of this decade in the National League, they had a, a clear philosophy. It was bring up kids and then supplement those kids by making a deal for a, a star player, and that worked. Well, neither of those teams have been in a World Series since the the last time the giants were in in 2014 and now you look at the teams that are going to or winning the world series it's either the teams that could really spend like the yankees right. uh, or, or, or the dodgers i think are a better example because the yankees haven't been there or it's the teams that tank and make it to the world series is the way the cardinals build a team a world championship approach anymore
4: you know i think it's a it's a really good question i for me, I still—they're one of the few teams that you know. I remark every year, like you know, you feel bad about you know oh, they didn't have a very good winter. I don't, oh, I don't, I don't care for the team, and then all of a sudden they're in the postseason again. Like they get into the postseason, you know, it's, it's. I, I think what I when I look at the the Cardinals, um, in particular. Uh, they're one of the rare teams where you know they found good draft picks down in the first round, later in the first round, but they haven't had you know a ton of impact in that area. So you know, some years it's okay to take a step back and maybe trade a, a couple of guys at the deadline, and and maybe you know for a year or two take a. I don't want to say tanking. I, I, I the one thing I really don't like is tanking, and there's a, a couple of teams that haven't done a good job of tanking. Uh, you know, at, at the back end of it, so it's like five, six, seven years of losing, and then, and then you think it's going to go well, and it hasn't. Now, you know, Philadelphia is the mm-hmm. classic example of that. So, but so uh, you know, but but we we'll call it a Cardinals hiatus thing.
2: from winning big.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, right. And and you know, it you really test your fan base. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the and Cardinals fan base has uh, always been one of the best. I think it, it will always be. But but you know, even even if you had three, four years of of, let's say, last place finishes, it takes its toll. People start to look elsewhere, you know, and it's hard to get them back. So I don't like the tanking the way we've seen in the game. I think the Cardinals could take a year if they were out of it to, you know, reset and get a higher draft pick. They could do that every once in a while and everyone would forgive them. Um, But I I like the fact that they are in the mix most years and, and most of the time are going for it.
3: Jim, a team that's made some moves are the Chicago White Sox. We know that Lance Lynn was acquired yeah. by Chicago, reuniting him with Tony La Russa. And there's been a lot of talk about Tony La Russa returning to baseball, how he's going to adapt to the game, to this team specifically. But what's your assessment of Tony La Russa as a manager coming back
7: to the game?
4: Yeah, Michelle, I tell you. Well, the, I mean, last time we saw him, you guys saw him. I was there too uh, for that World Series win, and and I did not think we'd see him back in the in the manager seat, you know. And I, I understand everyone's kind of you know desire to 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 go back into the, uh, certain roles. Listen, I'd love to go back into the general manager's seat uh, someday, but but you know what? There are times where you have to say eh, it's somebody else's t- time and turn. And, um, you know, I think that, for me, this is the only fit that made sense in the game for Tony to, to come back. It's, a, you know, an owner or a friend of his. Um, you know, his window, their windows are very short the next two years. So, like I always say with manager hires, they're a custom fit. This is a custom fit there for the time being. I think there are, you know, understandable concerns about his ability to relate to today's player and some of the metrics, but... You know what, Tony was doing a lot of that stuff before we actually could measure it and before we had the tech to use. So he's always been ahead of the curve a little bit. It's just people have caught up. So that's what I'm interested in is the you know, the advantages that he used as a manager Uh, aren't quite uh, as good Uh, he clearly has the experience there Uh, I just I just don't know about um, you know the 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 team and how he's going to relate there
2: how do you like that as a general manager because Tony is obviously strong-willed and when Reinsdorf essentially hires him he's he's saying okay to to general manager Rick Hahn you just get Tony what he needs so is that a good thing to have to defer to Tony but you have the monies too
4: well, I mean, there's definitely a couple ways to look at it, right? That wasn't my hire uh, as a GM. Right. As a GM, if you're going to ha- take the responsibility for the failures, then you want to have the responsibility of the person to hire. And I thought there were some good candidates that they could have hired, uh, in both AJ Hinch or in Alex Cora, who you know, and we know they have their their issues and had to sit out a year suspension. Um, but so I thought they could have hired somebody that would have been a longer term. Uh, choice for them, you know, four, five, six years or, or longer. I don't think Tony has that many years in him to, to manage. Um, but again, it, it's hard when you look at the track record. I, I mean, this guy, this guy, I mean, we know he's a Hall of Famer. You guys saw it more than anybody, what he did there in St. Louis. So, you know, it's one of those difficult things that when your owner comes to you on that. Uh, you try to test and see how, how serious is he about it, because I, I think there were some people in the front office that, that didn't believe that Jerry Reinsdorf was serious about it. Once they figure that out, they're like, okay, well, we, we can stop talking to everybody else. And so I think, I think in the end you make it work, you know, and, and that you're in it basically together. And, and uh, as an organization, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf has been very loyal to that front office. So I think that um, you know certainly you see that returned.
3: Jim, obviously, one of the big storylines here in the off is about Yadier Molina. He is a free agent. Will he return to the Cardinals? And we know the value that yadi provides here yeah. in St. Louis. We know his place in the game of baseball. But how desirable do you think he is to other teams? Like when other teams look at the landscape of baseball, how many teams do you think really want to go out and acquire Yadier Molina?
4: Well, I can tell you this. You know, he has value to other teams too. You know, I think that. You know, the the Yankees, you know, there was rumors about him being interested. Well, they have a catcher that hasn't performed. If you pair Yachty with Gary Sanchez, um, you know, the ability of Gary to learn from Yachty, um, I think, is, is very appealing. If you're the Yankees general manager, Brian Cashman, you know, that's just one example. But. But I think at the end, it's also about legacy, right? And, and very rarely, I think I remember, I kind of put Yachty in the same plane as Derek Jeter with the Yankees a few years back before his last contract with the Yankees. Jeter thought his value was higher. Uh, the Yankees had put a, a number on there that made sense for them, they put a target on it, and said, if you can get more, we, don't, we, we won't hold it against you. We'll, you know, we'll still love you. We'll still have you back. Derek went back to the Yankees, um, and he was upset about it. But you know what? The Yankees made the right decision from the financial side of things. I think that's what the Cardinals should do with Yachty, too. And I think in the end... Yachty makes so much more sense back in St. Louis on a multi-year deal than he does a one-year deal anywhere else.
2: Jim Duquette, one final thing. I want you to assess John Mozeliak. There's a lot of controversy about Mo here. Yes, the team has been to the playoffs eight times in 13 years, but yes, a team that needs offense has traded people like Gritchik and Rosarena and Luke Voigt uh, and uh, Tommy Pham. So uh, from, from your perspective as an analyst, can you assess Mozeliak for Cardinal fans?
4: Well, I mean, listen, Those uh, every general manager who's been in the seat, if if they're doing their job, is going to make a mistake or two or three um, if, if you've been in it long enough. And, listen, I was in it for I, – I did it for four years, and I made my share of mistakes uh, trading for guys, too. So it, it it's part of being a, a general manager. It happens they have – there is a – there is something that would be concerning when you see the number of position players that have gone elsewhere and have performed and haven't in St. Louis. So there, there, there should be something, you know, in, internally that they need to, I think, evaluate to find out, you know, what's going on there. Um, but I mean, it, it, the results going to speak for themselves. Outside of the Yankees, there's no other team except for the Cardinals that have been to that many postseasons. And that's really how you should be judged, and that's how you are judged in the game, you know, and basically in any uh, major sport. How often do you get to the postseason? How often do you win? And, you know, you mentioned that they haven't won the World Series in a while. There's plenty of pressure there, but uh, you got to get there first, and, and they've done that a lot.
2: Jim Duquette, great stuff. And as I mentioned at the top, love listening to you on SiriusXM. Right. You and the people there do a great job. We appreciate your time today. Yeah. Hopefully we can do it again.
4: All right, appreciate it, Randy. Thanks, Michelle. Have a good one. Bye. See you later. That is Jim Duquette
2: from Sirius XM MLB Network Radio. Next up, Mizzou, number twenty-five in the country, and should Ohio State get a shot at the college football playoff, even if they don't play any more games? That's next on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right
0: back to the Character and Smallman podcast on one hundred and one ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's character and Smallman's Fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
2: Coming up on 820, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Yesterday in the fast lane, Brad Thompson suggested uh, while wearing his tinfoil cap (laughs) that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan may have been able to play, but he didn't want to lose to Ohio State again. And he wanted to keep Ohio State out of the playoffs, and he could by Michigan not playing Ohio State. That would make sure that Ohio State didn't have enough games to play in the Big Ten championship games. Do you think, Michelle Smallman, that... Jim Harbaugh and Michigan would go to that length to hurt Ohio State
3: without question of course we're talking about the best rivalry in sports here and we're talking about a man clinging to even one breath of life as the head coach If you're Michigan and you have this terrible season, what's the only thing you can hang your hat on? Keeping your hated rival out of the Big Ten Championship and out of the playoff. If you're Jim Harbaugh, the only thing that could save you from not getting fired at this point is if you beat Ohio State. And if you know you can't beat Ohio State, what's the next best option? Not playing Ohio State.
2: It's a great conspiracy theory. But I just think that Jim Harbaugh is way too competitive for that than to, as Kirk Herbstreet said a couple of weeks ago, wave the white flag and just admit, yeah, we have no chance against them. I have to believe that Jim Harbaugh wants to go into games, and regardless of what his team is and what his team's record is, he thinks he can win.
3: Okay, well, let me grab Brad's tinfoil hat for a second and throw it on myself. I'm kind of a hat girl. You didn't know this. Mm -hmm. But if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're a Michigan man, do you really want Ohio State to be the final nail in your coffin? Do you really want to have to know that you could never beat them and that the fact that you lost to them again is the reason why you're out of a job? Probably not.
2: But if, if you are mature and you look at the big picture, whether you play them or not this weekend, if you do lose the job, that's why. Because you never beat them. It This year has nothing to do with it. It's the previous six.
3: Sure, but it's... It's easier for you as a person to say, pandemic, all of these things that didn't work out in the long run, should have been better, great, than to say, the team that I hate the most, that I have ingrained in me to hate, they beat me, and that's the reason I'm out the door. And if you're Michigan, do you really want to give Ohio State that that satisfaction too?
2: And here's another point, and very credible reporters are reporting that harbaugh has been offered an extension by michigan so he might know already i think this is all pandemic related i i don't have the tinfoil hat on i think if michigan could play they didn't play last week either because of covid 19 on their team so i i have to believe that that's the issue now for ohio state they might be able to play a game against Indiana this week, but if they can't play this weekend, Big Ten rules say they can't play in the Big Ten championship game, and Heather Dinich of ESPN says that might do them in.
5: The final possibility, guys, is that Ohio State's just out of luck. Maybe they don't change the rule. Maybe they don't want anybody to play. But what happens next then in that scenario is that every team in the Big Ten is still going to play another opponent, if they're healthy, of course, on Champions Week, the week of the Big Ten Conference Championship game. If Ohio State's not in it, it would be Northwestern and Indiana. Everybody else plays. Ohio State can get lined up against a respectable opponent, such as Iowa. They still have another opportunity to press the selection committee, but without that conference title, it's a totally different discussion in that selection committee meeting
6: room about the Buckeyes.
2: Michelle, I still think at 5-0, and o, Ohio State is one of the four best in the country. If Florida beats Alabama, then I think you have a discussion. But I still think that you could reasonably and fairly put Ohio State in the college football playoff. If Florida wins the SEC and you would have Clemson, Notre Dame, because Clemson would beat Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Alabama with a loss and Florida with a loss. All four of those teams would have a loss and I think you could make a reasonable case that Ohio State's one of the four best teams undefeated at 5-0. and 0.
3: And I think that's all you need is a reasonable case. Do they have the credentials, the ideal credentials to get that spot? No, but this is not only a pandemic year where you can use that as an excuse we're talking about college football and we are talking about an organization that wants to make sure that they have as many eyeballs on their product as possible and that they have the biggest debate possible so that people are talking about it and what better than to put one of probably the four best teams in the country regardless of the amount of games that they've played in the playoff and continue that conversation i really I respect Heather Dent. She knows so much about this. And there is a chance that Ohio State is out of luck. But I think at the end of the day, the committee is going to find out whether it's the Big Ten adjusting the rules for the Big Ten championship or the committee making concessions for Ohio State, I still think at the end of the day, unless Ohio State does end up playing and losing, that we're going to see them in the playoff.
2: Now, Kirk Herbstreet, who attended the Ohio State University, got in a little bit of trouble for discussing the possibility of not playing Michigan this week, of Michigan not playing the game. He thinks that if Florida does beat Alabama, that Ohio State should be out of luck.
4: If Ohio State's sitting there, if they go to Indianapolis and they win and they're 6-0 and they put on a Big Ten championship crown and they're Big Ten champs, I don't care if they played five games, six games, if they're crowned Big Ten champs, what happens in Charlotte, what happens in Atlanta is going to dictate where Ohio State is. If Alabama beats Florida, Ohio State would be in. Ohio State fans should be the biggest Alabama fans going because if <laughs> Alabama knocks Florida out, I'm just telling you, if Alabama knocks Florida out, Ohio State is in the four. If Florida beats Alabama and at Clemson beats Notre Dame, Ohio State will be left out. It will be Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida, and Alabama. Ohio State's out. So Ohio State fans need to pull for Alabama and win out. And if they do that, I think they're one of the four teams.
3: How do you keep Florida out if they beat Alabama?
2: I don't think you can. You can't? No. And their loss is not a a devastating bad loss right now, by the way, they're behind Texas A&M in the rankings. Uh, their losses to Texas A&M 41 38 and Texas A&M is, is ahead of them in the rankings right now. But if Florida beats Alabama, that would be the biggest win for any team all year long. If it's a healthy Alabama team, that's a better win than Notre Dame's win over Clemson because Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence.
3: Completely it, agree.
2: It'd be it'd be the biggest win of the year, and I think you have to put Florida in there.
3: I agree. Now, do I think Florida's going to beat Alabama? No. So that's why I continue mm-hmm. to go back to, I think, Ohio State's going to be one of the f- last four standing in the conversation because I think Alabama's going to beat Florida. However, if Florida does beat Alabama, you can't reasonably put Ohio State in over Florida
2: Michelle here's all you need to know Dan Mullen was an assistant for Nick Saban.
3: Oh, so it's in the bag. <laughs> Alabama, <laughs> Alabama wins.
2: Al- Alabama wins. Missouri is number 25 this week in the rankings. Congratulations, right. Coach Drink. This is the college football playoff rankings. Wisconsin dropped out, Marshall dropped out, Washington and Oregon dropped out. Mizzou is 5 and 3 and they're just behind 6 and 1 Tulsa. NC State is 8 and 3. They're number 23. Oklahoma State is 6 and 3. They're number 22. Colorado 4 and 0. Oh, Texas six and three. It's a legit number 25. This is not just a gift that they're giving Eli Drinkwitz in the program. They're playing to a level that befits a top 25 team.
3: Yes, they are. And what another great feather in Eli Drinkwitz's cap for this season, for his first year. And we heard from him earlier in the show, cuts that we played, about how he said that one of the main things that they're doing is they're trying to lock down the borders. They want to make sure and keep all the talent that they have in Missouri. In Missouri. And if you're a coach, and this is what you've been able to put together in your first season... As the head coach of the Missouri Tigers in the SEC during a pandemic, I don't know how you don't get an invitation into any recruits home in Missouri or in the Metro East.
2: He also said that most of the people that were on the Zoom call with him yesterday picked Missouri to win two or three games. And I did. I, I was in that boat. So for the Tigers to be able to accomplish what they have this year, I thought this was a perfect year, just to have a practice season, and basically get your program installed to go five and three. Impressive.
3: I think when we started the show, we said our expectations were zero for yeah. him this year, and yeah. and that was just us being realistic with the circumstances that were given to him. And he's exceeded every possible expectation.
2: And like you said, they're recruiting well. Their class this year was ranked in the top twenty-nine by pretty much everybody who ranks uh, recruiting classes. So. Congratulations to Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou. And that is today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, we're really excited because we've got our 12 Days of T-shirts fundraiser going on, and we're inching toward our goal of $10,000, and we still need help. We still want people to go to 101ESPN.com and find the character and Smallman 12 Days of T-shirts page so that they can get a free T-shirt when they make a donation of as little as $25.
3: Yeah, shout out to all the people who have donated. We're almost halfway there to our goal. And if you head to 101ESPN.com and you donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th, you're going to receive a complimentary 101ESPN t shirt, which is great. You can wear it around the house, you can wear it to work because we're in 2020, whatever you want to do. But more importantly, that $25 donation is going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack filled with school supplies to a local student in need. And these kids at the Little Bit Foundation serves need our help now more than ever. And
2: one thing that's happened, Michelle, is that food has become an even greater need for St. Louis students with the closure of schools during COVID-19. And the Little Bit Foundation created the Feeding Hope program to b- bring food directly to the highest risk families in our school community. So now Not only a backpack filled with school supplies, but food as well. And your $25 donation can help that Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack and food. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Massage Lux. And a special thank you to Allstate agent Tracy Bibb for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. And you can learn more at 101ESPN.com.
3: Thank you, Tracy Bibb.
2: Coming up. Yeah, she's awesome. She's the best. Coming up, we've got the fight here with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast
0: on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive.
3: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It is 837, so let's jump right into the fight. Yesterday, we had a battle royale. We had Jeffrey, who had won two days in a row, competing for a chance at the Hall of Fame. And Randy said, not in my house. And he got all four correct and sent Jeffrey home packing. But it was a great fight. And let's welcome in our fighter this morning. Mike is with us. Good morning, Mike.
4: Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing?
3: I am doing great. How are you today?
4: I'm doing great, thanks.
3: Um, Mike, I heard that you may have a special guest joining you for the fight this I morning. Could've... Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, you're... Randy's going to take on a father-daughter team today. So.
3: Oh, a father-daughter duo. Okay, so uh, Mike, who is competing with you so we can get both of your names out there?
2: Uh, my daughter, Ryan.
3: Okay, so Randy is taking on a powerful team today, a tandem, Mike and Ryan with us. And how old Ryan? Six. Yeah. Oh, you're six. Awesome, Ryan. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks for playing. And we're excited to have you today. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Mike and Ryan, question number one. The Royals last won the World Series in 2015. Who was the World Series MVP that year? Was it Mike Moustakis, Eric Hosmer, or Salvador Perez? Uh. Salvador Perez. Okay, Salvador Perez.
5: Mike and Ryan, who was the last Cardinal second baseman to start in an MLB All-Star game? Was it Colton Wong, Fernando Vina, or Tom Her? I
3: think Colton Wong. Colton Wong. Okay. Colton Wong. <laughs> Colton Wong, all right. I can't, I can't pronounce his name you got it right Ryan You did a great job Okay question number three for you guys The Cardinals traded Scott Rowland To the Toronto Blue Jays In 2008 for who Was it Troy Glaus, Edwin Jackson or Dominic Leone
5: Troy Glaus. And the last one before we bring Randy in What college program Did John Harbaugh have his first Head coaching job with Was it Stanford, San Diego Or UCLA John Harbaugh,
3: yeah. Severn? Stanford. Stanford. okay. We're checking our score here. We're bringing Randy in. Ryan, what's your favorite sport?
5: My favorite sport is... Uh, it-
3: The Cardinals. It's the Cardinals. Yeah, me too, Ryan. I think most people here have that same answer. Randy, please say good morning to Mike and Ryan, his six-year-old daughter. You have a tandem competing against you today.
2: Mike and Ryan, good morning. Thanks so much for listening and thanks so much for playing. We appreciate it. Thanks, Randy.
3: (laughs) Okay, uh, Randy, I'm going to ask you quickly to take your headphones off. Okay. Because we have to give Mike and Ryan the final question here. Again. So, Mike and Ryan, we have, uh, we're going to give you the, the last question one more time. Randy's actually leaving the room to get into the cone of silence because we asked you about John Harbaugh, but we should have asked you about Jim Harbaugh. So, we're going to give you the final question one more time. What college program did Jim Harbaugh have at his, as his first head coaching job? Was it Stanford, San Diego, or UCLA? Jim Harbaugh.
2: Same. Will, we'll we'll with Stanford, I
3: think. Okay, sounds good. We're bringing Randy back in.
2: Yeah, we're we're reached in there.
3: <laughs> Just wanted to make sure that you had the question <laughs> correct. We're all about fairness here. Okay, Randy is back in. Headphones are on. He is ready to take on Mike and Ryan. Okay, you ready, Randy? Ready. Question number one for you: The Royals last won the World Series in 2015. Mm-hmm. Who was
5: the World Series MVP that that year?
2: I will guess that it was Salvador Perez.
5: Randy, who was the last Cardinals second baseman to start in a MLB All-Star game?
2: Last Cardinals second baseman to start. This is good. Uh, It was not Wonger. It was not Mark (laughs) Grzelanek, I don't think. I don't think Vina did. May or may not have. Uh, Am I leaving? I think think we might have to go all the way back to Tommy Her. I will... Because they had that run there where they had like a second baseman a year for years. So I will... Uh, Vina or Her. Oh You know what? I'll go with Fernando Vina.
3: Randy, the Cardinals traded Scott Rowland to the Toronto Blue Jays in 2008 for who?
5: Troy Gloss. And Randy, what College program did Jim Harbaugh have his first head coaching job with?
2: That would have been the University of San Diego.
5: San
3: Diego. Mm -hmm. Well, this was a great fight. It was very close, but we have a winner. We
0: have a winner
3: and still
0: champion, Randy Carriker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs.
3: Mike and Ryan, everybody was cheering for you guys, but Randy, Megamind, he just edged you out three to two. So Mm -hmm. let's run through our answers here. Back in 2015, when the Royals won the World Series, their World Series MVP was Salvador Perez. The last Cardinals second baseman to start in an all-star game was Tommy Hare mm. back in 1985. The Cardinals traded Scott Rowland to the Toronto Blue Jays in 2008 for Troy Glouse. And Jim Harbaugh had his first head coaching job with San Diego back in 2004. Mike and Ryan, thank you so much for playing. Great job.
2: Hey, we appreciate it, guys. We listen every day. And Ryan loves Michelle. And I've been listening to Randy since I was a young buck, so... Keep up the good work. Mike, thanks so much. And Ryan, have a great day, okay? Thank you.
3: Thanks, Ryan. We're well,
2: going to beat you another day. <laughs> okay. I want. We want you again. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll bring you back for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan.
4: Yeah, for like Tiger's kids. Huh? There you go. <laughs> right. Chirping. I love it.
2: Fantastic. And we do love having kids listen to the show because they're going to grow up and uh, they're they're going to be adult listeners too. But we we want them to learn about sports and we're so glad that Ryan likes to participate in the fight.
3: How about that, Randy? She's going to beat you another day.
2: I, I want that to happen. <laughs> I really do.
3: It was close. It was close.
2: Yeah. Hey, last night, Michelle sent me a text that Joya's Deli, our friends at Joya's, and boy, are those sandwiches spectacular, uh, the chief stopped by and ordered a sandwich, a hot salami on white with pepper jack and jalapenos, if anyone is wondering. And our friends at Joya's tweeted, that is a great freaking order. So Michelle was wondering... If we were going to make up sandwiches for Cardinals, what would a Cardinal sandwich be like for each individual player?
3: Like if Mike Schilt was a sandwich. What would it be? What would it be?
2: So we want your texts for players, managers, coaches, general managers. And we'll give you some ideas that we have coming up on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast
0: on 101 ESPN.
2: All right, so this is a product of Joyous Deli tweeting yesterday, and Michelle and I decided that we would try to make up sandwiches for the Cardinals. And we do appreciate your texts already to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, but Michelle, last night, when you asked me what Mike Schilt's sandwich would be. Should yeah. we
3: read what Craig Berube was? The yeah. joy, the Joyous Sandwich? So last yeah. night, Joyous Deli tweeted this, that Stanley Cup winning coach Craig Berube just came in. And here was Chiefs order, a hot salami sandwich on white with pepper jack and jalapenos. And I texted Randy, if you had to picture in your mind Craig Berube as a sandwich, isn't that exactly what you would describe?
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: Like, like that sandwich is Craig Berube. It's got some substance. It's got great meat in there. Some heat. Some heat. Some spice. You definitely don't want to mess with it without for, without you know prior awareness. Right. You know you know what you're going in and you know what you're getting.
2: And, and that's why I applied this particular sandwich, Michelle, to Mike Schilt. And it would be a thin sliced turkey with pepper jack cheese and a spicy mustard. So you kind of think it's boring, mm-hmm. just a regular turkey sandwich, but then it's got some kick that surprises you. Uh, so I think that's what Mike Schilt is. And, and by the way, that's on that garlic cheese bread at Joy is, but uh, th- thin thin sliced turkey with pepper jack cheese and a spicy mustard that sneaks up on you.
3: Yeah, you, you underestimate it and then it makes you pay. Right. And then it makes you pay. So I was thinking about different Cardinals players as sandwiches last night because what else do you do on a Tuesday <laughs> night <laughs> I than think about Cardinals players as sandwiches? And Paul Goldschmidt came to mind, Randy, the big fundy, mm-hmm. right? He's dependable. He's consistent. Anytime you need him, he pretty much delivers. So if I was going to describe Paul Goldschmidt as a sandwich, I'm going PB&J. Doesn't really matter what type of peanut butter. Doesn't really matter what type of jelly. Doesn't really matter what type of bread you use it on. Every time a PB and J delivers, it's simple, it's classic, it's consistent. The big Fundy is a PBj.
2: and the reason that I somewhat disagree with that is because the PBJ is generally something that, as students, is an inexpensive alternative so i i went with my goldie being a blt because lettuce and tomato uh, they're they're just there they're accoutrements that you just have Mm -hmm. but then you get a big old pile of uh, of sizzling bacon so there's there's some sizzle and that's goldie's home runs and the spectacular things that he does so there is that reliable even keel but then you get that, that that spice with the bacon too
3: How about this one? Marinate on this one for a little bit. How about Adam Wainwright as a pulled pork Sandy with a peach slaw? We know he's a Georgia peach. Yep. He's got a a sweetness to him. We talked to him yesterday. He's got a giving heart, constantly thinking of others doing other things. We know he's a barbecue guy. Big time. But that is a sandwich that you look forward to having. And that is a sandwich that delivers, like Adam Wainwright.
2: I think that's a great call. And then I want to uh, give my Harrison Bader as well, because... Harrison is the classic hot salami. And he, he's got all the accoutrements, including the, the yellow peppers, and that's on garlic cheese bread. But he's just, again, substance, but fun. You have fun with a hot salami sandwich.
3: See, when I think of Bader, I think of a hot dog. He's a New York guy with uh-huh. all the toppings on it. And with a hot dog, de- the debate rages, is a hot dog a sandwich? And with Harrison Bader, the debate raises, rages. Can he be the guy that the Cardinals say he's going to be? So not only do you have the debate and you have the Holden Town flavor there, but really, can he... Harrison Bader be the sandwich that we need him to be? Can his his (laughs) New York-style hot dog be the sandwich that we need it to be?
2: Yeah, and... It has to be grilled. It can't be boiled, by the way.
3: Okay, yeah. How about that's this important. one? For, we're getting a ton of text, Randy. But how about this one for Harrison Bader from the 618? Harrison Bader sandwich would look like this. A lot of toppings, but not much meat. Really nice to look at, but not very filling.
2: I think that that's an apt description so far. How about this one? The, uh, the John Moe Zaloc, simply full of bologna zing from the 314 lol
3: that's pretty good that's pretty good how about this one randy from the 314 matt carpenter would be a cold cut get it
2: (laughs) i do that's good Uh, another one for marp the uh, braunschweiger with american cheese and mustard plain boring and doesn't excite anyone
3: but but works that's a sandwich that works
5: yeah works hard
3: that grinds yeah I like this one, Randy, from the 217, and this, I think, might be the most perfect description that we get today. Tyler O'Neill definitely a hearty stick burger.
2: Oh, yeah. He would be. (laughs) Very well put together, and a lot there. I mean, it's big. A lot of beef. Yeah, a lot of beef. But sometimes that burger just kind of breaks off and and kind of falls to the ground it's it's injured
3: an injured burger yeah this one from the 636 wayno is easy grilled ham and cheese everyone loves it right amount of toughness but still a comfort level it's a simple classic you can't get enough mm-hmm. of
2: Good call. How about this one from the 314? I have the perfect sandwich for the secret weapon, Jose Okendo. He would have every ingredient available because he could play every position on the field. So, yeah, you do everything. You've got peppers, cucumbers, uh, lettuce, tomato, a couple of different condiments. You've got turkey and roast beef on the Jose Okendo. That's a good call.
3: That's great. Secret weapon. Secret weapon. And that's a sandwich that you would drive a long distance for. Uh-huh. you'd wait in line for the secret weapon sandwich I like this one too from the 314 Moe's sandwich would be the next sandwich after the cheapest one available that's from Don
2: <laughs> come on you people are so fun uh, th- this is not a cardinal but it is a baseball player from the 314 Pablo Sandoval Panda would be the big nasty from McAllister's open faced roast beef smothered in cheese and brown gravy oh, that's a good sandwich and uh hey guys, this from the five seven three, Greg from Columbia here. Schilt would have jalapenos on his too, because that gives you a little bit of a kick.
3: Oh yeah. He definitely has to have some spice in there. Yeah. <laughs> what about Yachty? What would you describe Yachty as a sandwich?
2: I think Yachty uh we had an interesting text from the three one four. Yachty would be a hot dog, like try to tell to tell me I'm not a sandwich.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. Oh, this one too. Yachty is the Cuban panini from Maggie's, but I don't know what's on that sandwich. Mm. I'd have to. I have to compare.
2: I've been to Maggie's. I love Maggie's, but I've never had their Cuban panini.
3: What's the toughest sandwich you could possibly think of? When you, if you would describe a tough sandwich,
2: uh, it, it would just be a steak sandwich. It, it, good oh, sliced steak. steaks. I mean, it's loaded with substance. With filet. Yeah.
3: Elite steak.
2: Right. Yeah, and then you, you'd have lettuce and tomato, but there would be have to be spice, like a really spicy mustard.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there definitely has to be some heat on there for talking yeah. yachty.
2: But tough and classy.
3: Tough heat. Yeah. Effective steak sandwich. Great call, Randy.
2: So we appreciate your text. This this was fun. I, I we're like, getting
3: so many good ones. Uh, I like this one too from the three, one, four. David Freeze has to be something with provolone cheese because he's our hometown hero.
2: Yeah. He does. When I had my sandwich downstairs at Potbelly, I copied the Derek Jeter sandwich from the Stage Deli, which was turkey and roast beef, lettuce, tomato, black olives, uh, mayo, and with the Jeter sandwich at the Stage Deli, it was stacked super high, so I made sure they did that too. It was great.
3: Sounds delicious. I've never had the privilege of having a sandwich named after me, but if I did, it would be... A hot Italian sandwich. It would mm. be one that goes through the the heater. So we get to make sure that the cheese is melted. It would definitely be on wheat. Lettuce, tomato. Probably some of the Italian spices, you know, work some oregano mm. in there. And here's the key, Randy. It has to have oil and vinegar on it, but it has to be drizzled on the top part of the bread. So that the bread gets mm. just a little soggy and you make sure that you get those flavors just packed in there.
2: I'm surprised you just didn't go with like Italian bread rather than wheat.
3: Italian bread's great. You can use that too. But I prefer wheat. I just prefer wheat. Well, it's wheat.
2: healthier for you, right?
3: But you, if, for you. if you're going Italian sub with salt and vinegar chips and yeah. a root beer on the side, why do you care about the bread?
2: Just because it says it's Italian.
3: That's true. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. Even though I prefer the taste of wheat, we're going Italian.
2: Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to visit with our buddy, Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champ. A couple of weeks ago, I asked him about the Steelers, whether or not they should lose a game. And he said, no, they shouldn't. Well, now they have. <laughs> so we're going to find out what he thinks next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One of our favorite people is Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion, great St. Louis head coach at Hazelwood Central. And he's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line on 101 ESPN with Michelle and Randy. CD, how are you doing this morning? I am doing well. How are you all? I'm doing good. Okay. I, I got to get this because it is December 9th. Do you have uh, your Christmas shopping done?
7: <laughs> That's usually done around December 24th, right? That's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be a no. No, sir. I did not. Okay. You know
2: Mike Tomlin very well. And we know that after that Baltimore game, he was using that poor play as a, a coaching. Point so that he could tell his team, "Look, hey, you guys did not play well." I would think that he's really going to use this loss to Washington as the ultimate coaching point, telling his players. And I know the team's beat up, but you tell me, is he going to tell his players, "You just can't throw the ball out there on the field and expect to win a game"?
7: Oh yeah, I mean, Mike T is a a no nonsense, no excuses kind of coach. I mean, and, and. You know, it doesn't matter when you play, where you play. It doesn't matter how many days you have in between. Yeah, it's tough, um, but you got to do what you got to do. So um, I, I I expected them to play better um, going into the Washington game just because of how poorly they played against Baltimore on a, on a weird week where, you know, you didn't know what day the game was actually going to be on. They got moved three or four times before they finally settled on a Wednesday game. Um, and then you turn around and you have to play on Monday. But they definitely um, you know, just too many drop passes, no running game. I think they ran the ball fourteen times for twenty one yards. Um, I know John Connor, uh James Conner is out. I always call him John Connor. James Conner is out. Uh, but they still they still have to figure out a way to run the ball in December, in January if they want to be a a, a good playoff team. And, you know, they just haven't been able to find that yet. Defense is always gonna to continue to play well, um, but losing bud free definitely is gonna hurt in the long run and they they just have to figure some things out but it starts up front with the offensive line being able to run the ball and just way too many drop passes offensively.
2: Kerry, what's it say to you that they had the 14 nothing lead against a team that they're better than even with the injuries and they lost the game?
7: Uh it just it just shows me that like I said they they aren't able to I think a lot of their passes are short game passes and and I saw that a lot of the the passes were actually knocked down against Washington um some that the, the ones that were able to get through were dropped Um, I think they dropped six or seven passes uh, the other night. So, and like I said, when you have those opportunities, you have to make up for them, and, it, and it, it becomes frustrating because the week before against Baltimore, Deontay Johnson dropped a touchdown pass on a slant. He dropped a fade route, um, and it's just lack of focus. He's a very, very, very good football player, but he's having too many drops, and he dropped a few uh, Tuesday night as well, Monday night as well. So um, you know they just have to correct those things. When you when you're not able to run the ball, when you're getting passes uh, tipped at the line, when you're dropping passes, you know you have a lot of a lot of three and outs, you don't have opportunity to sustain drives. So you get the other team the ball back quickly. And that's what happened um, against Washington. They were not able to sustain drives. You're up, you get down, and unfortunately you lose the game.
3: CD, the last time we talked to you, we had asked you about the Steelers going undefeated and if you thought maybe losing a game would release some pressure and let them just focus on football. Well, now and you said no, by the way, you said no, I don't think that losing a game is productive at all. But now that they have (laughs) lost the game, while it might not be a productive way to look at it, do you think that maybe it might have lit a little bit of a fire underneath them?
7: Well, I think the fire should already be there. I mean, you know, no one no one wants to lose. You would love to be able to go up throughout the season, you know, undefeated and and not have a blemish on your record. Uh, but it doesn't get any easier this week because you got to go play Buffalo, and and that's a team that is on the rise. They are playing at a high level. Um, you know, Josh Allen is playing extremely well. Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, offensively they are doing some great things, and defensively as well. So you got a tough task coming up. Um, and now you look at, you go from being 11-0 and 0 to, you know, maybe being 11-2 and 2 in two weeks, which that's why I said losing a game is never helpful. You never want to be on the wrong side of things. So they got to figure some things out in this week, uh, get ready to go against Buffalo, because that's going to be a tough challenge.
2: And Kerry, when, when I thought about the, and think about the prospect of the Steelers beating Kansas City, it's by being able to run the ball and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hand, and having a guy like Bud, Bud Dupree get to him and, and be the pass rusher that he needs to be. Uh, you, you talked about fixing the running game, which I think they can do, but how do they manufacture a pass rush without Dupree there?
7: Well, you still got uh, probably the defensive player of the year on the other side. And TJ? That guy still, yeah, he's, he's still pretty good at yeah. uh, getting to the quarterback. And, you know, they they they... I don't think that they'll be um you no, know, I think they still will have an opportunity to get there, get to the quarterback, put pressure on him. And even if you're if you're not in his face knocking him down, uh getting the ball out of his hands. And and that's one thing that I think Patrick Mahomes does a great job of, of, you know, seeing the rush, not seeing the rush, but feeling the rush and being able to keep his eyes downfield and just moving slightly enough to get out of the harm get out of harm's way. Um so I think that 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 game, if they if they are able to make it there, uh, will be a, a tough challenge, but that's also why I said they need to keep winning. <laughs> you don't yep. want to go. You want to be undefeated. You want to have an opportunity to win every game because you want that first round bye. There's only one team going to get it this year, and and Kansas City does not look like they're slowing down. They had a terrible loss against Las Vegas if, if, if uh, by their standards, which has their one loss. But if you're the if you're the Steelers. You didn't want to have any losses because Kansas City doesn't look like they're going to lose any games. And, and you want to have that first round bye. You want to have that week off to have a time, have time to heal while everyone else is still playing.
3: Carrie, you mentioned that the Steelers have the Bills next, but following them, they play the Bengals, the Colts, and the Browns. And I look at that final game of the regular season versus the Browns, and I think that could be such an interesting matchup. What do you think about the state of the Browns right now? Do you think that the Browns are for real and that they could be a team to really challenge the Steelers?
7: Well, the Browns run the football, <laughs> and and I'm a I'm a running back. I'm a I'm a I am ai am I truly believe that if you run the ball and play good defense, you have a chance to to be successful. Um, and and as long as Baker Mayfield isn't turning the football over, they are going to be a very good football team. Uh, I think everyone thought when when OBJ went down, kind of the season was going to be down, but they found a way to right the ship. They run they run the ball. Nick Chubb is back healthy. He's running the ball well. Kareem Hunt is a complimentary back to him. And that's a hell of a complimentary back to have. Um, you know, they they just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then play action you and throw the ball deep and make big plays. So the the, the risk you run, like I said, you said the Steelers have um, they have they have Buffalo this week, Cincinnati, the 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 Colts and the Browns. You run the risk of that Colts team is very good, you run the risk of being in a situation where you may be fighting for a division title if the Browns continue to win out as well. So, you know, winning games is always going to take precedent over over everything else you want to take. Even if it's an ugly win, you got to get it done. Um, but this Browns team, to me, they look like the real deal because defensively they get after the quarterback, they play sound defense. You know, Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett up front, those two guys are, are wreaking havoc on offensive lines and in the backfield. And they're just playing at a high level. So uh, I definitely think this Browns team has a chance to to, to be very good. But if I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, just keep winning, baby. (laughs) Find a way to get it done. Hey,
2: Kerry, I want you to give us a visual of this. You played for the Steelers for three years. This is your 11th year out of the NFL. So the Ravens are on TV last night. What does Kerry Davis watching a Ravens game look like?
7: (laughs) He doesn't watch a Ravens game. <laughs> him. <laughs> so you just hate them that much? Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it's 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 a it's a it's a real passion for 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 those guys, and and how much we you know we just we just don't like each other. We understand how physical that game is going to be. How much um, you know it's just going to be a lot of stuff that, that takes place during that game. That you know it's 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 it's, it's, it's all or nothing in our minds. So. Um, the you respect them as men, uh, but a, a, as football players on, on the field and in between those white lines, uh, you know, it's, it's me or you, and we want it to be us, so it's, it's we don't have a real reason. I didn't have a real reason to watch the Baltimore Ravens unless we were preparing for them. And, and truthfully, you want to watch the guys that you're going to be playing against, so um, no need to watch. Baltimore, or do anything because eh, whatever you know. It's, it's, not. it's so I, know. I get it,
3: Carrie. It is so funny that you s- say that because I was listening to Willie Colon talk about the Ravens a few weeks ago, and he still has that same feeling about the Ravens. It's it's,
7: it's, it's weird. It's really it's really uncomfortable. I mean, I got during the 09 season, I was let go by Pittsburgh, and they brought me back. But in that time, I actually had a workout with the Ravens, and I think Harbaugh could just tell, like, yeah, he doesn't want to be here. It was. It was <laughs> It was really it was it was a little weird. It was it, the energy felt different. I was like, eh. Yeah. It, 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 it was just a little different. So, the hate for one another is real. The respect for one another is also real. Uh, but like I said, in between those lines, you want to you want to put put pads to those guys and make sure they understand you're more physical than they are, and they want to do the same.
2: CD, great to hear your voice. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.
7: Same to you all. Have a great day.
2: Appreciate it. That is our friend Kerry Davis joining us on One Hundred and One ESPN. I had to get that because I, I I'm surprised that he doesn't watch, but I because he, I think he would want to hate watch. Yeah. But he just he hates them that much that he can't even watch.
3: That's real hate. Yeah. Do you have a it. team that you hate that much that you won't watch them?
2: I did for a while with the Rams, but now it's just it's just yeah. But yeah. like that Super Bowl, I I couldn't watch that Super Bowl when they oh, played that's New England. Right,
3: I remember that. Yeah, I watched and I was very nervous, very nervous. I remember watching that Saints game, the playoff game, the call, uh-huh. the controversial call, and be I felt sick to my stomach when the Rams ended up winning that game.
2: Yeah, so but now
3: I just couldn't care less.
2: It doesn't matter, and no. they still have they have no chance of going to the Super Bowl, so that doesn't bother me either. No. So it's you know whether they win or lose it. I, Like tomorrow or tonight, no, tomorrow night, they play the Patriots. Even to this point, you know, for as much disdain as I have built up for both franchises, now it's just meh.
3: I have a theory they lost that Super Bowl and that felt good for us here mm-hmm. in St. Louis that they got on that that uh-huh. stage and then they lost but I think after the Blues won the Stanley Cup it healed a lot of wounds yeah, that's for Rams true. fans because not only did we have an amazing sports moment that could galvanize us but all of the stories coming out of St. Louis during that Stanley Cup playoff run were what a great sports town St. Louis is and how people got it wrong about St. Louis they can mm. support multiple teams and look at what they've done for the Blues then we we land an MLS team and it just seems like we have so much positive momentum and all the the slander that was said about us, about us being a certain type of sports town was proved to not be true. So I feel like we already got the W. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and now whatever do. happens in court. That's the real game we're paying attention right. to.
2: And let me toss one other thing out there. And this is not a reflection on. LA sports fans. It's more of a reflection on that organization. When the Rams lost Super Bowl 36, this town was in palpable pain. You could tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it hurt us. The Rams lose that Super Bowl to New England, and they just went on with their lives the next day like nothing happened. Really? They, they didn't even care. <laughs> yeah. So it, they're just what, for the Rams to not be able to garner the passion of the community heartens me as well.
3: But I will say this. I miss having a team to hate. Life is better when you can channel that hatred towards a team. Oh, yeah. and a game, the way that Carrie just did with the Ravens. Well,
2: as Dolphins fans, I think we can still do that with the Patriots if you want. Okay, done. (laughs) That was easy. That was easy. (laughs) Coming up, the NHL and the NHLPA are moving towards a January 13th start date. What do they have to worry about, though, as they move towards January 13th? That's next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health Express Clinic at Walgreens. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information.
2: We've been waiting for a restart to Blues hockey, and we got a little clarity yesterday, Michelle, when it was reported that the NHL and the NHLPA have cleared the financial hurdles necessary to start a season, and the season would start on January 13th, with January 1st being the day that training camps open, hopefully in the afternoon, because it is January 1st, after all, and you're going to be up late that night.
3: At least till midnight. At least till midnight. Yeah.
2: So there's an official Board of Governors meeting today at 3. It appears as if, and we talked to Scott Burnside of The Athletic earlier today, it appears as if that's just going to be a rubber stamp for the owners, that there won't be enough people to vote against playing a season. And what we're planning on now is with everything being available to the league in terms of players' health and arenas, a 56-game season.
3: It's good to see that there's momentum in getting this done. Hopefully we have official word by the end of today. But I would imagine that these teams and these players are so antsy, Randy, that they have been trying to condition and get into the the place that they need to be to be ready to go. But it's really hard when you're trying to make plans and to do things yeah. and you don't know when training camp's going to be.
2: Yeah, so at least we have that. By the way, we would have three eight-team divisions and then the seven-team Canada division, and the way things would work, and the Blues would be in a division with the Blackhawks and the Red Wings and the Tampa Bay Lightning, a group of other teams, but against those other six teams in your division, you play eight games. So you'd have four home and four road, two two two-game series against everybody in your division, two two two-game home, two two two-game road series, that would be eight games against seven teams, which equals 56.
3: Look at that math you just did.
2: I did. And so for the division that only has seven teams, they would play six games, and then you'd have to play two more games uh, against one of the teams.
3: It's such a weird time, but I love this idea. I love having a different alignment. I love having the Red Wings facing the Blues again. I love having it be a a two-game series, a little bit of a baseball feel to it. I think it's a smart approach, and I think for this year, it'll be fun for fans.
2: And I think one of the things, and I know that we are in the midst of a pandemic and that we do have COVID-19, but the players will be tested again. I think if we're going to have that many back-to-backs, if we're going to have little mini-series, that there should be some leeway given to fighting for the 21 campaign.
3: Because of the Red Wings?
2: Well, the Red Wings and the fact that teams are just going to be seeing each other a lot. There's going to be pressure that needs to be released. It's like releasing a valve on a radiator or something like that and having it go whoosh. You need to be able to fight and release that tension and pressure.
3: So what you're telling me, Randy, is that these guys just need to punch each other.
2: Yeah, basically. Okay. Okay. We need that. Now, earlier today, we mentioned that the financial hurdles have been cleared. We asked Scott Burnside of The Athletic. What are the other biggest
6: hurdles that need to be cleared? It's a big one, and it it has a lot of, again, a lot of moving parts. If I can use that analogy, and of course, it's COVID nineteen. And I'm talking to league officials. The expectation is that there will be these kinds of issues to confront the NHL and the NHLPA as they move forward. So it, it is going to be a lot of moving targets. The ability of the league to pivot very quickly. Based on these kinds of uh, uh, of dynamics,
2: so you you take care of that and. You never really take care of it until we have our vaccine and everybody vaccinated. So what you do is the best you can and make sure that players are tested, that you aren't going to be in a bubble, that you're able to control things. And I know the NFL has had their issues, but when you look at the big picture of the NFL, they've really been very successful. So if you could emulate what the NFL has done and maybe even do it a little bit better, you can have a 56 game season that ends your regular season at the end of April.
3: Just figure out a way to play. And I am thankful that they've gotten to this point without really, I'm not sure they considered it, but really having to go to another bubble scenario because we saw the way that players were adversely affected by yeah. that. And it was, it was just not ideal. And I know that they want to eventually have fans in the stands and that that's a huge sticking point when not wanting to do that. But the thought of those players potentially having to go back to another bubble is just not great, especially and if you're a Blues fan.
2: We saw Tuka Rask of the Bruins opt out in the middle of the bubble last year because of what he said were family considerations. I have to believe that Because that was really mentally taxing for players. I have to believe that after dealing with last year's bubble, there would be a lot of players that would opt out if it was a bubble scenario. A lot of players.
3: I would think so, too. And a lot of players that were super honest about the fact that it just did not work for them. I think a lot of players would say, you know what, forget it.
2: Yeah. So we'll be able to play. We'll have a training camp. We'll have a season. We'll be talking hockey. And this scenario... With the Blues' depth and the way that Doug Armstrong has built this franchise and not having to focus in on paying a bunch of money to one player, i.e. Alex Petrangelo, I think that with a schedule like this, the Blues' depth will really come in handy.
3: Yes, it will. Gosh, I can't wait to have hockey back on the TV.
2: Uh, And on the radio, Michelle. And on the radio, of course.
3: Duh. Just I just meant in general, consuming hockey. Doesn't mm-hmm. it feel like the it's been so long? And we're in December. We are in we are ingrained to be watching hockey right now. Just like the players, mm-hmm. they are ingrained to be playing hockey right now. Don't you just feel like, oh, Christmas is coming. Where is blues hockey?
2: Yeah. That, it's weird. We we should have it. John Mozeliak is going to have a Zoom meeting with the media this afternoon, and we'll get an update on what's happening with the virtual winter meetings. I wouldn't expect any major announcements. Maybe the Cardinals will have a ballpark idea of what their budget is going to be. We might learn something about their plans with Molina and Wainwright, but I would not expect an awful lot to come out of that meeting with the media today.
3: That was one of the things I was wondering, if the scheduled zoom was just oh hey we're going to talk winter meetings or it was oh hey we might have an update on some of the contracts you guys might be wondering about
2: well i thought that adam wainwright's answer yesterday when we asked him if he's heard from the cardinals was interesting he said well you never know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. so maybe there is something going on and he said he they have heard, heard he didn't say that he'd heard from the cardinals or not but said that they had wainwright's camp heard from a lot of teams
3: and didn't John Alex say that the Wainwright and Molina contracts were top priority for them this offseason?
2: They were when he talked about it. Yep. Yep. That is today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk some NFL, but we want you to know about our 12 Days of T-shirts fundraiser and our friend Tracy Bibb has gotten involved. She's made a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-shirts fundraiser. We appreciate her. We appreciate our presenting sponsor, Massage Lux, in benefiting The Little Bit Foundation, and that's a foundation that Michelle has been really heavily involved with for quite some time.
3: That's right, Randy, and shout-out again to Tracy Bibb, a $500 donation, amazing. The Little Bit Foundation, what they do, Randy, is they serve over 14,000 students in the St. Louis area that are in need, and they provide the necessities for these kids. We're talking shoes, coats, backpacks, underwear, hygiene items, all the things that they need that could be a barrier to them learning. And in 2020, learning is hard enough, so let's make sure that these kids get the things that they need so that they can focus on their schoolwork. So here's what you need to do. Head to 101ESPN.com. If you donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th, you get a free 101 ESPN t-shirt. But that money that you donated is going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide these supplies to a local student in need.
2: And you also get with that t-shirt an autographed thank you card from <laughs> Carricker and Smallman. Find all the details and make your donation today on our 12 days of t-shirts fundraiser. You can do so at 101espn.com. And thanks to everybody who has already donated. We do really appreciate your support, and so do the kids with the Little Bit Foundation. NFL News and Notes coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right
0: back to the Carrier and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Time for some NFL news and notes. And, Michelle, I don't know how good the Ravens can be for the rest of the season. They're missing so much. And it was fortunate for them last night, even though they are missing the likes of Marshall Yanda, their potential Hall of Fame offensive lineman who retired last off offseason. And Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, who was hurt earlier in the season. And they're still dealing with injuries or illness, to Running backs, they, they lost their best blocking tight end. But they did knock off Dallas last night. And they still have the league's MVP playing quarterback, which is a pretty good thing.
3: Yes, it is. When Lamar Jackson looks like he did last night, even though you don't know what the Ravens as a whole can be, you certainly like their shots when you see Lamar Jackson looking like Lamar Jackson again.
2: Here is Ravens coach John Harbaugh.
4: Well, the one thing you do know about lamar you're going to get everything he's got you know and that's really all you can ask for uh he's going to give you uh whatever he has and it turned out that he had a lot tonight and that was good to see i don't think you could predict that he came out to practice he looked good in practice he uh he was uh strong and healthy and um i'm just impressed with the fact he was on top of the game plan so well he'd been studying obviously the whole time he's away and he played a great football game
2: Lamar, 13 carries for 94 yards, and through the air, 12 of 17 for 107 and two more scores. And the Ravens improved to 7-5 and five on the season with a 34-17 win over the Cowboys, who, by the way, are 3-9. and nine.
3: Yikes. Not great.
2: No. <laughs> it happens. Another team, by the way, in the NFC least that isn't faring particularly well is the Philadelphia Eagles. We already know that they're probably out of the playoffs as well. Their record is 3-8-1, and one, and they have made a change at quarterback. Carson Wentz to the bench. Second round pick Jalen Hurts of Alabama and Oklahoma is now the starter.
3: I think this was the right move for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is someone that you need to figure out what he has. And more importantly, I think you need to pay attention to the way the team responded when Jalen Hurts went into the game. Carson Wentz clearly is not the answer for the Eagles right now. And I think it was a smart move for them, despite the contract. So many teams would just continue to play Carson Wentz because he's got a lot of money owed Mm -hmm. to him. And because they might have wanted to protect Jalen Hurts a little bit and make sure he's ready. But I think experience is is the best teacher. And getting him in there and seeing what he's got and letting him get that experience is a good move.
2: Former NFL center Jeff Saturday of ESPN. Kind of saw the
0: writing on the wall against the Green Bay Packers when they put Hurts in and kind of left him in and, and listen to Jalen Hurts' credit, I mean he brought the spark that Doug Peterson was looking for for them offensively. In my opinion, um, it's a little premature of a full wholesale change, right? I would have preferred to see them kind of rotate he and Wentz. I mean, it's not like he has a huge sample size in the NFL and now you're putting him up against you know, arguably the best or one of the best defenses in the NFL and by the way Jay they can flat out get after you with a four-man pass rush so not doing Jalen Hurts a whole lot of favors by saying hey here's your offensive line that's run you know 10 or 11 different combinations so far this season probably another one this week and our receivers really haven't been great but hey Jalen here's the keys to the car man go make it run
2: now, the likelihood of Hurts succeeding at a high level is low. Mm-hmm. His first start is going to be against the Saints, the number one defense in the league, then the Cardinals, who have a very good defense, and then the Cowboys, he might win that one, and then the Washington football team to wrap up the season. But if he performs well, and you decide that Carson Wentz isn't your guy anymore, you have to find a way to build a roster next year, either with Carson Wentz, a former MVP candidate on the bench or with $59 million of dead money. So if the league's salary cap would be 185 and you get rid of Wentz, you have to basically take off 60 of that and your your cap would be 125. That's the amount of money that you would have to build your roster.
3: Gosh, life comes at you fast, Randy. What was that, three years ago they won mm-hmm. the Super Bowl? and even though Carson Wentz was injured, you're saying, okay, look at the Eagles, look at Doug Peterson, look at what Carson Wentz is going to be, and now he's getting benched. And I think Jeff Saturday, and and you just made a great point, too, about Jalen Hurts and what he's going to have to deal with. Yes, I'm sure he's excited to get the nod to be the starter and go out there, but he's also going to have to deal with a lot of pressure. People look at Carson Wentz and they say, oh, he's playing terrible this year. Look at all the interceptions. He's ranked first in the league in interceptions with 15. He's also ranked first in the league in sacks with 46. He's taken Mm -hmm. a beating this year.
2: Like Jeff Saturday said, this will be their 13th game and their 11th different offensive line combination. That's crazy. They've lost 80% of their offensive line. Kelsey's the only guy that's been healthy throughout the season. They lost their left tackle, Andre Dillard. They lost their right tackle, Lane Johnson. Jason Peters replaced Dillard, got hurt. Now he's back at guard. It's just been a mess up front. And their receivers are hurt, too. Sean Jeffrey's been hurt most of the year. They brought back Deshaun Jackson. He's been hurt most of the year. Jalen Rager, their number one pick, was hurt and has never developed. They got a a good two or three weeks out of somebody named Travis Fulgham. But their tight ends, the key to their offense, have not been great either. It hasn't just been Carson Wentz. There have been a lot of circumstances which have worked against him.
3: Yeah, you can't just blame it all on him. Not, not at all. But I am excited to see what Jalen Hurts can do, even despite all of the things working against him. I was excited to see a spark out of the Eagles when Hurts got in there. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he plays.
2: Michelle, one more thing. And you know that I am a big fan of people that accept advice in sports and bring people around them that are smarter about sports and things that are happening than they are. Dick Vermeil, a perfect example. He always had a great staff. Joe Torre always had a, a great staff. The best coaches are products of their coaching staffs, and the best owners are products of good advice. How about Cal McNair, the owner of the Houston Texans? He's put together a panel to assist him in hiring a new general manager and specifically head coach. Now, they've already got the search firm Corn Corn Ferry in place. By the way, I never knew what Corn Ferry was except for the tour, the Corn Ferry mm-hmm. golf tour. Now I know that it's a search firm. There you go. But McNair has enlisted the help of Tony Dungy, Jimmy Johnson, Andre Johnson, the former Texans wide receiver, along with Spurs CEO R.C. Buford, and the Fritz Pollard Alliance Executive Director Rod Graves. Those people are tasked with providing advice to Cal McNair, the owner of The Texans in regards to getting a new football front office and coach.
3: I always say if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I appreciate this approach by saying, hey, let's get a lot of really smart people, football people, business all sorts of people along this panel that we can have vet these guys because we want to make sure that we make the right hire mm-hmm. here. And if you have this collective group of people agree on someone, I think you can feel, feel pretty good about your decision.
2: You use them, though, because I go back to after the 2008 season when – The Rams did not rehire Jim Hazlitt. And Billy Devaney said, yeah, I'm really going to lean on Dan Deardorff and Marshall Falk. Those guys are going to be the guys that I'm going to bounce stuff off of as I search for a new head coach. Guess how many phone calls or texts Dan Deardorff and Marshall Falk got combined from Billy Devaney? Zero. Zero.
3: Yeah, okay. I could guess.
2: Now, the three finalists, and I don't know if Billy Devaney came up with this himself, Jason Garrett, who spent a decade as the head coach of the Cowboys. Ron Rivera, who went to a Super Bowl with the Texans. And our friend Steve Spagnuolo, who had, at the time of his firing, the worst winning percentage of any coach who had coached 40 games in the history of the league. So, Billy picked the wrong guy.
3: Or maybe he should have just consulted with others the way that the Texans are doing
2: it. Wouldn't have been a bad idea.
3: Man, zero phone calls. You're going to make this hire, and you have Dan Dierdorf on line one, and you're not even going to run it by him?
2: Unreal. Unreal. Why wouldn't
3: you use that resource? Why wouldn't you? You
2: would think that... And Marshall knew the league, too. Why not use those guys? What would have
3: been like if Ron Rivera was the coach here in St. Louis?
2: Then he would have had the worst winning percentage (laughs) in the history of the league.
3: (laughs) Because he wasn't making the draft picks? Billy Devaney was still
2: the general manager, and he still drafted Ty Hill, (laughs) and Joe Klopfenstein, and Claude Roten, and John Alston, and Dominique Byrd. Those are your First five picks, three third-rounders. Ty Hill, out of the league, it, it, within three years, off your team, within two. Joe Klopfenstein, off your team, within two years. John Alston, a third-round pick, didn't even make it out of his first training camp. Oh, geez. Dominique Bird, the, the, we asked his college teammate, Matt Leinert, on a conference call, what do you remember most about Dominique Bird in college at USC? Oh, that he slept through meetings. Great. great. And then uh, Claude Roten, who uh, I believe was kind of in that uh, that Greg Robinson class in dealing with the devil's lettuce.
3: Oh, yeah. okay. He dabbled?
2: Dabbled a little bit, yeah. Those are your NFL <laughs> news and notes on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to cross things over with our friend and teammate, Dan McLaughlin. And one more reminder that we want you to join us and join in the holiday spirit by contributing to our 12 Days of T-shirts fundraiser.
3: Here's what you need to do. Head to 101ESPN.com and if you donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th, you're going to score a free 101 ESPN T-shirt. But more importantly, your donation is going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack of school supplies to local students in need. And the Little Bit Foundation is a wonderful organization here in St. Louis that serves over 14,000 students who need our help.
2: And we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, Massage Lux. And a special thank you today to Allstate agent Tracy Bibb for making a donation match of $500 to yes, the 12 Tracy. Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. Find all the details and please make your donation to our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser and get your free t-shirt at 101ESPN.com. Danny Mac is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101
0: ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs.
2: Scoops with Danny Mac coming up here in the 10 o'clock hour on 101 ESPN. And uh, Dan McLaughlin is with us now. And I'm excited, Danny, to have somewhat of a hot stove season starting up. The White yeah. Sox made a couple of moves yesterday. How about Lance Lynn going back with Tony LaRusso? I love it. It's a great fit, and you saw that team coming out of the the COVID break we all did. And they're really good, yeah. And and those are a couple of pretty good moves. I think that uh, who's the other one? Adam Adam Eaton. Eaton, He's kind of an under the radar guy, but they got rid of Nomar Mazzara, and he's just a nice, serviceable, everyday player. Remember when Adam Eaton was going to be a free agent,
1: and all the or the the teams were talking about. this was like two years ago, what it would take to get him mm-hmm. and the amount of prospects that people are talking about with Adam Eaton. It I mean, took he's like a, Lucas Giolito. Yeah, he's a nice player. Yeah. He's a, he's a nice player. They're going for it. I, I would figure that if you have Tony La Russa at the age of 76 and you get him, you're saying, okay, the window is, hopefully his lifespan is long, but the managerial window is short and we're going to give him the best opportunity to win now. And I think that's what they're doing. And by the way, you guys, great interview with um, Adam Wainwright yesterday. And any time, you know, I should have been really upset over the fact that, you know, you <laughs> took you into my show and everything. But, gosh, I got over it very quickly. Very quickly. So anytime you guys have great guests like that, just go by all means. Just bleed over into the show and do whatever you guys got to do. It was great. You want
2: to you <laughs> want to come on at nine fifty five? Feel
3: free.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, Get we, those gifts. We Get took those a big guests. chunk
3: out of your show yesterday. It was great. Our, our I loved dad. it. Our bad. Um,
1: people say, not to interrupt Michelle, but people say, "Man, you know, um, you know, sorry for doing this when you're on TV or, or radio. Sorry for taking a chunk of it." And I, my, my thought process is, by all means, you take all <laughs> the time you want because it's. Um, less time I have to totally screw up and maybe lose my job. So perfect. It's and just another notch off the, the the time closer to retirement. That's the way I look at it. And
3: it's Adam Wainwright. Who's going to say That's no right. to him? That's right. It was funny. When we were walking out yesterday after that interview, I said to Randy, I was like, it is, we talk a lot about Adam Wainwright as a competitor, as a leader, but the fact that the Cardinals consistently have these guys that are both all-stars and amazing leaders on the field and are so amazing in the community he he's just one of those guys that i i think we take it for granted a little bit how special he is and then you have it in yadi you had it in albert you had it in matt holiday it's what, it's rare
1: i think that's what now six roberto clemente award winners from the cardinals most yeah. in baseball and that's pretty cool i mean that that goes back to lou and then ozzy and a number of of people that have called st louis home too when they decided to to stop playing yeah adam's a special guy i mean i i've had long conversations off the air about many of the things that he's been involved with and some of the stuff we've been involved with together which is really cool um and it does it comes from a a point of his upbringing um and wanting to give back but and, and do it in a selfless way and and you know you admire guys in in a society a sports society that all we hear about is me 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 those kind of guys are appreciated man they're appreciated
2: we still don't know it's a chicken or the egg theory you ever hear uh, the the old joke uh, it's not that old because we've had amazon for just a few years i ordered a chicken and an egg yes. from amazon i'll tell you what happens yes i have heard that <laughs> but anyway I don't know if winning is a product of chemistry or chemistry is a product of winning, but take us behind the curtain on the road with the Cardinals on flights and stuff like that, because Bueno and Molina have seen a lot of iterations of different players here, but they seem to be such a big part of the chemistry in terms of getting Everybody together on the same page on or off the field. Yeah. I mean, if you have, um, let's
1: say a good example would be, especially in the central division with your travel, you have a day game on a Thursday at Bush stadium at 1215 and you finish up at three fifteen or four, which means you're to the plane by five, five thirty. Sometimes you only have an hour long flight to Milwaukee or Chicago or Cincinnati, which is great. The travel is really a lot easier than the East and West coast teams, which gets taken for granted. Um, and they will make sure that the players, they'll just you know design the dinner or whatever, and go to a steakhouse mm-hmm. or something, and make sure everybody gets together, uh, and try not to be too clicky. Make sure everybody's involved, and that means the players from different nationalities and everybody coming together and being truly a team. That's where a lot of the bonding happens. Where in 2020 you didn't have that, um, and I, I that was missed. I think for a lot of teams where. That's where you get to know your teammates. That's where the young guys get uh, to get be integrated with the the veterans and the older guys. You know, they sit down. They have a few pops. They're talking about baseball. They're talking about life. But you learn about each other it's just mm-hmm. like normal human beings like we all do in everyday life. In any business, you go out and have a business dinner or friends or whatever. That's their time to do that, and that was taken away. I, I talked to Travis Ford in a separate way of, of talking about how you, you build chemistry, he said one of the toughest things, if not the toughest thing for his billikins this year, from his perspective, is mealtime. He said, I, I cannot stand the fact that we don't have mealtime. He said, we have the players come in, you know, the tests and the protocols, they are what they are, um, but the players grab a box of food and whatever they they provide for the the players, and... You know, it's mandated and part of the protocols. They go their separate ways. You know, he said that time of being together and being on the road and having a meal and 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 he'll have players over to his house all the time. He actually redid a portion of his house so he could make sure and get big, tall guys in there, and they felt comfortable <laughs> with certain tables. I Love mean, that. yeah, he's he tried to and has tried and has and does have it, the family atmosphere with his program. Um, you're just not seeing that, and that's really. I think kind of a sad part of what's going on in sports in 2020, but
2: hopefully we'll get back to it uh, sooner rather than later. We'll see. We did get a question wondering if that's the only battery to win the Clemente Award, Riotti and Wayno. The only other catcher that's won it is Gary Carter and I don't think anybody on those mid-80s Mets was going to win any Clemente Awards, uh, and, and I don't think that anybody did. Well, he did, but Wow, I think it went well, Dijkstra,
1: probably not. No. Uh, Wally Backman? No. Uh Gooden? No. Strawberry? No. Hojo,
2: no. <laughs> so there you go. Hernandez? So no. The, yeah. So yeah. Okay. And, and certainly Gooden, Fernandez, maybe Darling, but he, he didn't. So uh yeah, it is the only battery to win yeah. uh e- each win a Clemente Award. I know that it was really um really
1: important for a Yachty to win it. I, I later found out, Ricky Horton went over to um, talk to Benji when Yachty hit the home run on Clemente Day this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mess up the story, but I'll get the premise right. So he went over and, remember when Yachty hit it and he kissed the, the patch on mm-hmm. the sleeve and it was so important for him, and uh, Benji had told us that um, his father, the the Molina, their dad, actually either played with or knew Clemente. Not I don't know if it was well, but knew him well enough to where it was. If it was really a family thing, I mm. mean, he's held in obviously such high regard in Puerto Rico, but it was a family thing too. I mean, it, it was a really big, big moment in his career to hit that home run. Really cool, and obviously to win the award was massive. Yeah, so
2: it's great, pretty neat. Mo is going to talk to the media today, and hopefully, we'll have lots of
1: news to talk about tomorrow. I'd like to know. There's some things. I mean, we got to find you know it, it, payrolls. I guess are we going to have fans or what are you hearing about a DH? Um, when's the season going to start? You know, what's mm-hmm. the the buzz in baseball? I mean, everybody's got an opinion on when we should start. I, I'm assuming those things are being talked about this week behind Zoom meeting, closed doors, that kind of thing. Yeah. I I'm assuming because you think about it, guys. I mean, it is December what eighth? So January, February. I mean, we are two months away from. Really, the start for some teams. Uh, so that's eight weeks and about eight and a half, nine weeks from the start of spring training. That's crazy. That is. And normally, we would have our first uh, ball game, spring training game, would be February twenty second, maybe twentieth. Mm-hmm. Around around that time, would they'd start playing games. So we're we're not far away. No. Let's hope. Let's cross our fingers and hope. So you know, are you are you telling guys to have a normal? set up for spring? Are you, are you telling players, hey, get places? I mean, that's the other thing. You, yeah, right. <clears throat> especially young players. you, you got to figure out you t- you're staying at the I'm getting choked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I'm
5: just getting choked. No,
2: Are you going to stay at the hotel? Are you going uh, to get a, a condo for yeah. those six weeks? Right. That's those what, are things you got to think about. Yeah. It's, uh, unless you're Paul Goldschmidt and you've got your house down there you're fine. Pretty nice crib. Yeah. yeah. What
1: do we get coming up on scoops today? A lot of baseball. Brian Walton will be with us. We'll get into some of that, some of the top prospects. And, and for people that talk about like Justin Williams, like I do, Mundo Sosa, this is a big year for them. We, they're out of options. Yep. And so how do they fit in the plan? So we'll
2: get into that and much more with Brian Walton. All right. We're looking forward to that. And we'll call Justin Williams J-Dub. We'll give him that name right now. Okay, it's done. Jay it's Dun. done. Yep. Okay. great job by our producer engineer today, Tanner Hendrickson. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Michelle. Great job as always. Thanks.
3: Thanks, Randy. See you tomorrow. Michelle's I'm emotional,
2: Randy. I, I get it. I yeah. need a little coffee. Yeah. Michelle's
3: me too. Dan.
1: Emotional too because her car won't start. Well, how'd you get here then? Uber. Yeah. Uber. There's still Ubers, huh?
3: I was At really lucky. Yeah. There was one.
1: Yep. Wow. So.
2: For, well, that's good news that yeah, there's she's, Ubers. She's, and she's here. Okay, good. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. And until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis.
0: You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise.
6: Let me guess. Unknown caller? You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection. The latest innovation from Discover will help regularly remove your personal info like your name and address from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And we'll do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at Discover.com slash online privacy protection.
5: Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.